Welcome back to Second Short. It is Friday, August 18th, 2023. Uh, it's a great day to be a Jordy. Newcastle still sits atop the league. Three points. <laughs> I had to do it. I had to do it. We got a huge win last week, and um, I'm I'm very, very happy to be uh, a part of the fan base now. Uh, Luke, how are you feeling? Um, I know you said you're not tired, but... You did just wake up from a nap. This is now both of my co-hosts in the same week taking naps <laughs> on me. I'm staying up grinding, and these guys are sleeping. It's crazy. Shout out Colin, man. Uh, we're, we're a lot similar than I thought we were, I guess, and I really <laughs> hope he's listening to this because that's funny as fuck. <laughs> yeah, that's it's hilarious that both of you guys fell asleep, and I'm texting, and I'm like, hey, what time do you guys want to record? <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, but I, I hope you know everybody is uh, not as tired as me. Uh, with back to school, I hope everybody's back to school is great. I know some of the colleges in Georgia start on Monday, and this episode will air Friday. So I hope that you know having a last good weekend of summer. Um, but for the ones that did start class, I hope it went well because I know it can be a stressful time. Oh yeah. And, hey, here we are to bring the podcast to you, make it less stressful. Yeah, and um, there's nothing less stressful than the MLB right now, and that oh, okay. is well, entirely some- sarcastic. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> there is uh there's news, oh, there is results, there is quite a few things going on in the MLB, so of course we gotta recap it. And then we're gonna talk about this weekend. We got some fantastic matchups. We're gonna continue the series, NFC West's preview this week, starting off the NFC. Then of course our Premier League weekend preview, some transfer news with a lot of huge news in the transfer news, some stuff that's happened over the past week that of course came out on Friday after we had already recorded the episode. <laughs> that pisses me off. All the transfer news has to go down over the weekend. And then we just have to wait like a week to talk about it. But <laughs> uh and then we'll round it out with stake your claim because it's hot take season. Luke, let's just go ahead and get into these winners and losers. And um yeah, fuck it. We'll start here. My first winner of the week, all L.A. professional sports teams. <laughs> the 12 professional sports teams in L.A. teamed up to donate $450,000 to the Red Cross's... Uh, oh, my God. I just told... Uh, you know, I'm just going to start from the top. That was brutal. <laughs> Come on, man. No, that was all right. That was okay. All 12 yeah. professional teams in L.A. teamed up to donate $450,000 to... $450,000 to the Red Cross's Hawaii wildfire relief efforts, um, which means, you know, if they split it up evenly, which they probably didn't, probably some teams front-loaded it, but 37500 from each team there. Um, so that's that's fantastic. I don't know if you saw everything that happened in Hawaii, but it is uh, it is horrible, and a ton of people have lost their homes. It, it, like an entire island is essentially gone. Our hearts um, from second and short definitely go out to Hawaii. But I'm going to be a little bit picky, Grayson. I'm going to be a little bit picky. 12 LA sports teams. We're talking big markets. We are. 150? There are athletes that could drop. Yeah, yeah. Okay, but you got to think about the fact that this is coming from sports organizations that, though they are profitable, they have quite a few costs, and you can't just be like like each one of them roughly giving up thirty seven thousand five hundred dollars. Like not everybody's got that in the budget, because you got to remember like that this includes true. this includes like the WNBA teams, the soccer teams. Like 
they probably didn't even contribute that much. It was probably like the Dodgers and the Lakers just like front loading that. Of course. Yeah. But I mean, Hey, still a great look. Um, that's a huge W for LA sports. I, I love that. Um, and I mean, you know, of course, like I'm over here bitching, but like in reality, every little bit helps. I mean, you yeah. know, you can see the pictures in the videos, so it, it was horrible out there. Yeah. And speaking of every little bit helps, uh, my kind of loser, I can't, totally call them a loser for this but oh, the Oakland Athletics um, about a day before this LA collective sent 450,000 uh, the Oakland Athletics announced that they're donating $10,000 to support the disaster relief efforts gotcha so okay. they're, they're not a loser but they certainly got dwarfed by LA <laughs> well, I'm sure yeah um, they uh, they probably are thinking you know about the move and everything too so. yeah uh, yeah. They got a lot of big things going on. Yeah, so maybe, yeah, maybe I shouldn't be too hard on the team. <laughs> hopefully, their owner can like afford lunch. You know, ten thousand is a lot for the A's. <laughs> it is. <laughs> hopefully, he'll uh, keep his house uh, cool and during this heat. Yeah, yeah, he really needs it. Uh, hopefully, his <laughs> Hawaii property didn't burn down. Um, <laughs> but our next winner, the Los Angeles Dodgers, in August specifically, every year at this time. The Dodgers just dominate baseball. Over the last three seasons, August has gone this way. 2020, they were 21 and 7 in August. 2021, 21 and 6. 2022, 22 and 6. They've won almost 80% of their games in August over the last three seasons. And this year is no different. They're on a 10 game win streak, and they are 14 and 1 so far this August. Dude, I'm looking at it now because I, I haven't really been paying attention to much going on in the NL West. Bro, the, the Giants have a 10 game lead. games it's back insane. now. What what yeah. happened? Uh, the Diamondbacks <laughs> can't win a game to save their life, except when Zach Gallon pitches. And the Giants have just been so, like, mediocre. Yeah, they're 3-7 and seven in their last 10, but I don't remember them being... I feel like their record is better than the last time I looked. I mean, they're they're better than the Diamondbacks now, and they're yeah. you know they're well over five hundred. I would say, yeah, at this point, yeah, it's wow. it's gone a little weird. Uh, but let's talk about a team that isn't good in August this year, at least, oh, uh, the Yankees. So I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go through my information. I'd like you to at least let me get through my points, and then I'm gonna of let course. you free. So they just got swept by the Braves. Get fucked. And only scored <laughs> three <out> runs. <laughs> yes. Oh, they only scored three runs in the series, uh, all in the series opener, which was an eleven to three loss. Uh, Aaron Boone is speaking the words of a man that has entirely given up, saying, "We're going to continue to come to work and work our butts off." Oh God. Uh, the Yankees are under five hundred this late into a season for the first time since nineteen ninety two. Last time the Yankees were under 500 this late into the season, Derek Jeter was recalled from the minors for good. Uh, nine active Yankees weren't born yet, and Aaron Boone was in Double A. Wow! <laughs> wow! Yeah. Um, I actually had that stat, but mine was 1995, so I was even doing the team a little justice. <laughs> I yeah. saw it across the ticker today that um. We are below 500 for the first time since 1995 in August. Gotcha. So, yeah. Um, am, am I good? Am I, good? Uh, I got. I got one more thing. Uh, okay. The the fans are demanding a fire Cashman night. Oh wow! Yeah, it's really gone that far. It's gone bad. But Luke, the leash is off. 
The floor is yours. Well, even in the series before, um, going into the Braves, our, our last game against the Marlins was, you know, once again, another Garrett Cole start, which I guess I can't get happy about anymore. No matter how good Garrett Cole pitches, I, I guess – I guess I should always expect a loss because the bullpen will come and fuck it up or the offense will just never help them out the entire time. Yankees fans, <laughs> it sounds weird, but we're so bad that we actually belong here. I, I'm fucking, I'm tired of it. But this is this is what's happening. I, I've accepted the fact that my Yankees are like, <laughs> it's a miracle that we weren't below 500 before, honestly, at this point. I, it's... It's it's crazy to me. Like like that walk off that we had against the Marlins, absolutely horrible. And then Severino's start against the Braves. I mean, what more could I expect from him at this point? Should have gotten traded at the deadline when he still had some value. Yankees are probably going to try to trade him in the off season or maybe before next deadline. Now that he has no value, he's complete shit. Um, I'm going to throw some stats at you, Grayson. Please. So. Before last night's uh, loss to the Braves, the Yankees are 29th in batting average. Aaron Judge is not, you know, he's not injured anymore, so we can't make that excuse. 22nd in runs scored. 8th in home runs because, you know, we're a power-hitting team for no fucking reason. 13th in team ERA. Uh, we're 10th in whip. And 1st in batting average against. So, wow. that's how bad it is. But... As a Yankees fan, I always got to bring you some good Yankee uh, news. During the series with the Marlins, Anthony Volpe became the second Yankee rookie to ever hit 15 home runs and steal 20 bases. Grayson, do you know the other Yankee rookie that has done that same thing? There's only one other guy. Um, I'm trying to think of guys that were rookies with the Yankees. Um, Very good player for the Yankees. Played for a super long time. Uh, he became this in 2001. 2001. So he was uh, the first rookie to ever do it. I'm trying to think of guys. Because, uh, like, is it – did Alfonso Soriano come up with the Yankees? It is Alfonso okay. Soriano. Yeah. Yep. And the only other thing I have is Aaron Judge uh, hit his longest home run of the season versus the Marlins. He hit one that was 464. Solid. That, that, that's literally the only good things that I have to talk about with the Yankees. I mean, <laughs> Clark Schmidt is right now probably like our most effective pitcher. I, Garrett yeah. Cole's better than him, but Garrett Cole can't get the win because yeah. Garrett Cole can't play offense. Well, Clark Schmidt didn't have a great one in his uh, his little homecoming in Atlanta. No, he didn't. <laughs> he did not. <laughs> but, but yeah, it, it, it's been absolutely brutal. Uh, the Yankees, like, kind of like what, with what we talked about a couple episodes, there's no like. I can't even see the blueprint anymore. Like, Carlos Rodon's hurt. Don't even know about Nestor Cortez anymore. I, like, I don't know if he's going to be good or not. Um, I, I have no, like, end goal with this team. Like, after this season, no clue what's going to happen with us next season. Don't know if we're going to be the same. Don't know if we're going to be worse. Like, it's honestly, like, as much as I joke about it and as much as I shit on the Yankees, like, it's a horrible time right now. Like, we could not be in a worse position, I, I feel like. Yeah. Well, how do you so. feel about this? Colin on Wednesday's episode said that there won't be a World Series in New York between the Mets or Yankees for the next 10 years. As much as I hate to say it, right now, couldn't agree more. Could not agree more. All right. It's fine by me. No.
<laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> but let's get to my next winner. I don't want to keep kicking you while you're down. I know. Walk-offs. Walk-offs are a winner this week. First, Christopher Morell's walk-off three-run homer. Beautiful. And he was asked what he was thinking while rounding the bases. And his English isn't perfect. I'll preface this with that. But he said, I made a homer. Cubs win. Simple. (laughs) I I love that. (laughs) Simple. He made a homer and the Cubs won. That's exactly what happened. It is. That's what he was thinking, too. So glad we're on the same page, Christopher. And then... (laughs) Uh, the Royals, they walk off the Mariners with a walk-off bunt up the first baseline by Darren Blanco, Darion, Dyron. I don't know how to say his first name. He plays for the Royals. Um, but, yeah, that's like the two like that's like that's the two ends of the spectrum on hitting a walk-off. Yeah. A walk-off bunt and a walk-off three-run home run. <laughs> Unbelievable, man. But my next loser... Umpires, what a surprise. Who would have thought they'd be here? Uh, In the week of August 6th, umpires missed 1,028 calls. Damn. Just balls and strikes. Did did this have anything to do with uh, that post that I sent you sometime last week of, like, the top 10 missed calls? Okay, cool. It did. Um, Yeah, shout out umpire auditor. Uh, on Twitter, they keep track of all of this, and they are fantastic at it. Yeah, it, it's uh, it's actually cool information um, of, of how like uh, baseball tracks umpire stats as well. I mean, yeah. of course, like you know, with how intricate baseball is, why wouldn't they? But I, I just feel like, as kind of like a new to really following baseball fan, like I am, umpire stats I think is a really really cool um, thing about baseball. Yeah, it's a very recent thing, too. Only in, like, the last couple of years did we start getting, like, those umpire scorecards, and now people just, like, counting how many calls they're missing. Yeah. Uh, But my next winner, Chapman and McLean Way. You're probably asking who these people are, um, because those are names that... uh, They're not baseball players, I'll tell you that. They're the brothers that are the creators behind the Untold series on Netflix. Uh, They're in the middle of their Volume 3 of the series and uh this series has included in the past weeks uh they dropped an episode about Jake Paul like a full length documentary uh and then the Johnny Football documentary that everybody's been talking about the Johnny Menzel um and just a few days ago Hall of Shame uh, I haven't watched it just yet but it's a deep dive into the origins of Balco Corp or Laboratories and Victor Conte who propelled the idea of doping into professional sports. And he's like one of the guys that like straight up supplied like Giambi bonds and like athletes across all other sports. And that's a, that's a cool thing to make a documentary about. Yeah. So I'm probably going to watch it tonight, but next week they follow up this one with the swamp Kings about the Florida team University of Florida with Aaron Hernandez, Tim Tebow, and uh, the rest of those criminals. <laughs> the Pouncey Brothers? <laughs> yeah, Pouncey Brothers. Um, I'm blanking on the guy's name. I think he was the running back. He was drunk driving. Yeah. Florida running back? Can't I can't, I, it's not a big, he's not a big deal, yeah. so it's not a, it's yeah. not a problem. But 
Uh, we'll move on here. My next loser is Luke Weaver. You may remember his name because he was a winner like every week for like three weeks in a row because he would pitch so bad and the Reds would just win. Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> that came to an end. Not the poor pitching, of course, but the winning. And he was DFA'd by the Reds. Oh, no. Yeah, so the Luke Weaver uh, fun is is over. <laughs> Still an above, uh, above 500 team, though. Yeah. I mean, the Reds are only two and a half games back. They're actually tied with the Cubs right now, kind of, as yeah. far as uh, picture. But- yeah, they, they, they don't look horrible, but the pitching certainly isn't there. Uh, my next winner, though, Chaz McCormick. Yeah, he hit a game-tying home run the other day, but more importantly, I just found out about his nickname. Embrace yourself. This is top tier. Okay. I'm, I'm sitting back. I'm ready. The Chasmanian Devil. Oh, yeah. you love to see it. <laughs> That's so fucking good. Oh, my God. We should, um, we should have a part two of our nickname draft. We might have to. Uh, that could be, could be something we do down the line. But let's talk about this. This is so interesting. My next loser, the outfield at Citizens Bank Park in Philadelphia. On Wednesday, there was supposed to be a Bruce Springsteen concert at Citizens Bank Park. And it was canceled due to the boss, as he is known, being sick. But it came out that there was also a huge sinkhole in the outfield. No way. Yeah. Um, It it didn't look that big, but in terms of a baseball field, it was probably two feet in diameter. Pretty deep. Could have been very dangerous. Um. It has been filled, but um, imagine if, like, the center fielder stepped in it and it just fell beneath them and just got, like, their whole legs sucked into the ground. Yeah, that would have been terrifying. Yeah. I'm glad that didn't, you know, happen in a game or something ridiculous like that. I think the idea that sinkholes exist and they could be anywhere scares the fuck out of me all the time. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, like people's houses just falling into holes. Yeah, it's weird, man. Especially, like, I have family from Florida, and, like, they just have stories about, like, sinkholes in their area. It's weird. Like, yeah. like the, the idea of, like, a sinkhole, like, I can I can tell the way you're talking about it, but I, I'm, I'm in agreement that it's, like, such, like, a foreign, scary concept for us. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's strange. It, it, it just, it, I don't know, it just makes me feel weird thinking about the fact that, like, I could just be driving on the road, and, like, the whole road could just get sucked under. Nothing you can do. Yeah, it's wild. Uh, But let's move on. My next winner is Kevin Brown. Yes, Orioles announcer. The man has been on a heater in the booth ever since his return. (laughs) Oh, my God. The other night against the Padres, they're getting blown out. Or somebody was blowing somebody out. I can't even remember. This man was doing – (laughs) okay. All right. All right. (laughs) But Kevin Brown was in the booth doing his best Tom DeLonge impression (laughs) to his fellow commentator, Ben McDonald, straight up singing Blink-182 because Ben McDonald said he had never heard of him. What? Yeah. I don't know what's crazier, the fact he's singing Blink-182 and I missed it, or the fact that his commentator didn't know who they were. Yeah, dude, the clip is so funny. He like he hits the Tom DeLonge impression almost spot on for like the uh, the chorus of uh, "I miss you." Oh wow, it's great. 
Um, so he, he's actually like getting into it, like trying to sound like the lead singer. Oh yeah, he certainly no sounded like Tom DeLonge. It was amazing. Way. And uh, to top it <laughs> off, in this exact same series, he had a perfect call on Juan Soto after he fouled a ball off the ground into his dick. <laughs> Forgot that that happened too. He goes, Juan Soto grounds one off of Juan Soto, <laughs> and he goes down hard. Takes a long pause. This is not where you want it. And then he goes, one replay, please. One and done. And then a few seconds later says, that'll hurt your feelings. Oh, man. So shout out Kevin Brown. The man is on a heater. Out of your back. Yes. Yes. But my next loser, safety in the on-deck circle. I don't know if you saw this, but Donovan Solano fouled a ball off and it hit Christian Vasquez right on the front of the brim of his helmet oh while Vasquez was in the on-deck circle. Like, that could have been so bad. That's like point-blank range. Oh, yeah. Too. Yeah, like not very far away. Just straight up dings it off, like, the top of his bat, and it literally, like, hit his helmet, like, on the brim flush and just, like, knocked his helmet off. You know, and that's kind of... I think we can have like a kind of like another kind of um, discussion on this. Um, and it's just kind of surprising to me that like, that's where like the net was extended. Like I'll never forget when, um, Oh my God, what's that? He played third baseman for the Yankees and the Mets. Is it Todd Frazier? Yeah. He hit a foul ball um, as a Yankee. Um, and I can't remember what stadium it was. It may have been at Yankee Stadium, but it like it hit a little girl like really hard. It was a horrible scene. And I remember that that was like one of the big proponents. Um, and I'll use the word that you use, propelled um, nets nice. at MLB stadiums. It kind of makes me wonder like what that means for the on-deck circle in the future. Because like as a non-baseball fan, it seems like you're you're in the line of fire there even. Oh, yeah, like there's not really a place on the field that you're not, um, you know, kind of in range. And I think what you're referencing, I believe, was I, – I I think there was also an – in I'm trying to think of the word, Jesus um, – an incident where so, – I think it had to do with like a Cubs-Astros game. Okay. Um, And there was a Cubs fan – maybe an Astros fan. I can't quite remember. And it was like a young girl and she got drilled. And then like the next season they extended the nets. Yeah. So it it could have been that situation. I'm pretty sure Todd Frazier played for the Cubs, So it could have been him. Um, but nonetheless, uh, yeah, like that, the on deck circle is weird because like in like youth baseball, typically you would just like, when, when the guy comes up to the plate, you go to whichever side is behind him. Because that's the only way you're not, like, for sure getting, like, or, or there's a good chance you're not going to get that ball hit at you, is if you're behind them. In the yeah. MLB, if you're the away team, or sorry, if you're the home team, you're on the first base side, the batter is a righty, you have to stay on your home team's side for the on-deck circle. And so you're literally just straight across from him, essentially. Yeah. And it is so dangerous. And that's what was happening in this incident. Okay, so a pitch got, um, like, oh, crap, what's the word? It's not, what's the opposite of pool? What? 
in baseball. If, if I, okay, if I'm a righty and I hit one, if I smack one to left field, that's it. I pulled the pitch, right? Yep. So what is the opposite? If I'm a righty and I hit one to the like, like to the right of me to right field, what that's called hitting opposite field. But okay, so so you're hitting you're on the on deck circle. You'd be in the line of fire if he hits opposite. Yes. Right? Okay. Yeah, I just wanted to clarify. Yeah. Uh, but my next one, my next winner, uh, the dimensions of Oracle Park. Uh, okay. Luke Rayleigh hit one of the most outrageous inside the park home runs I've ever seen. So if, if you know Oracle Park, the Giants Stadium, it it hit the wall, like pretty high up on the wall on the right side of Triples Alley. It caroms off that wall, bounces <laughs> off the top of the wall to the left side. Stays in like the literal top of the fence, stays in play and rolls so far away that Luke Rayleigh was already at home by the time the ball was being thrown in. <laughs> I, I saw that one too. It, it I, was I remember ridiculous. like watching the ball bounce, and I, I was thinking, I was like, damn, if he doesn't get an inside the park home run, like this is going to be pretty bad. Yeah. And like, like by the top, like once he hit it, like especially at that field, if you hit it that way, you got to be hauling ass because you know you could get a triple out of it. So, yeah, that was if you If you crazy. make it roll across the top of the wall and go yeah. all, like, literally <laughs> the furthest it can be in left field, you'll, you'll probably make it home. <laughs> yeah, it, it, was, it was insane to watch. Um, and then my last loser, people who thought they liked aquariums. Because you just I can't got wait for you to talk about this. <laughs> you just got beat by Ozzy Albies. Yes, you did. <laughs> he has four huge fish tanks at his house and a koi pond, and he has a ring, like a ring doorbell camera, essentially, but like the ring indoor cameras that look inside of his tanks so that he can watch his fish while he's on the road. I'm one of the losers here. Um, he and has a shark. Have- yeah, he has I, have, a uh, I have dimensions here from his tanks, actually. Yeah? Yeah, he owns a 12-foot fish. I, I think that might be the biggest. That could be the shark you're talking about. He has three tanks in his house that measure 550, 300, and 450. That's all in gallons, by the way. Um, oh, and, of course, shit. he developed that you know, growing up in Curacao that I read, yeah. which is just super cool. And, um, yeah, I'm definitely one of the losers because I've always wanted a fish tank in my house like that. I think that's sick. Yeah, it's cool as fuck. Uh, but also, in his koi pond, he calls for the fish, and there are some of them that actually come to him when he calls for them. Yeah, that's that's straight up. I grew up in Curacao. I can yeah. talk to fish. I think he said like his grandpa had a koi pond at his house back in like the early 2000s, and he that's when he like developed his love for fish. I think that is that is so sick. I, I'm yeah. glad you had it on here because I had it on here as well. For my yeah, <laughs> it's it's amazing. Uh, so that's the end of the winners and losers. So I'll let you take the floor, and then I got uh, a couple of things, and we'll finish off the MLB with a little Wander Franco update. Uh, okay, yeah, I'm going to take it to the minor leagues because our man Paul Careful. Steins. Careful, we just talked about Wander Franco. Oh, true, 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 true. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I, for the second time, we're going to take it to the minor leagues with Paul Skines. He debuted for the Florida Coast League Pirates. Um, I guess it was sometime last week, or maybe it was actually a little bit more recent. I can't really remember. Yeah. Um, they gave him 11 pitches. I'll just go ahead and tell you now, Grayson. 11 of those pitches were 10 fastballs. Uh, he threw eight strikes and three balls, and they all went something like this. 
99 mile per hour fastball, 100 mile per hour fastball, 100 mile per hour fastball, 89 mile per hour ball. I don't know what that pitch was. 101 miles per hour fastball, 101 mile per hour ball, 101 mile per hour ball, 100 or 99 mile per hour strike, 101 mile per hour strike, 99 mile per hour strike. What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> that he could go nine innings too. I mean, he's a starting pitcher. It's not just, you know, we're not living in that prehistoric world where it's only your bullpen guys or, you know, a few starters that can kind of pull off this feet. This dude, fuck Grayson. <laughs> that That is all I can say is just fuck. <laughs> yeah. Um. No, he, I mean, he just looks ridiculous. He does. Like, it's just, it's goofy numbers to me. Yeah, no, he's, I, I he's absolutely insane. Um, obviously he was showing off because his new girlfriend, Livy Dunn, was up in the boxes. Oh God. She was, I'm, I'm not kidding. <laughs> no, it's just, it's just another one that I'll never get. <laughs> it just takes another one off. <laughs> yep. It sure is. It's very fitting though. Uh, but she's very fit as well. Um, but <laughs> let's talk about a different prospect, uh, on the entire other side of the spectrum of performances. Griff McGarry. He is the Philadelphia Phillies' number six overall prospect, and uh, he's not looking like it at the uh, beginning of his AAA career. Didn't look good. Certainly did not look good. Um, I believe he went 0.0 innings. Wow. Um, And didn't give up a hit, but he did give up, I believe, seven runs. Holy shit. Yeah. Yeah. Walks and stuff? Uh, I believe so. I'm trying to... I lost my page that I was looking at. Um, Let's see. Here it is. Um, He went... Never mind. It just went away. Awesome. Um, Okay, here we go. Yeah, six walks, no strikeouts, an ERA of 50.63. I feel like that's, in a way, like walking every batter is almost worse than just having any, like having an inning where you're just getting yammed on. Yeah, yeah. Zero innings pitched, zero hits, seven runs, seven earned runs, six walks, no strikeouts. Oh, brutal. Yeah, tough. And he didn't look any better um, in his next start after. Gotcha. Um, I have some injury news. All right. Edwin Diaz. Yes, Edwin Diaz. Somebody who I, I'm sure probably a lot of people forgot about, like I did as well. But I saw a headline today that he's throwing off of a mound again. And, of course, um, he was hurt um, in a celebration injury in the World Baseball Classic. And, uh, yeah, so just good news that he's throwing off the mound again. And I'm going to go one more here. Uh, Shane McClanahan, unfortunately, yep. um, a pitcher – in my division, who I'm not very fond of, but I don't like it when, you know, really good pitchers and really good baseball players get hurt. Um, his season is over because he'll need Tommy John surgery. So yeah. that is also not very good news. I actually watched a very interesting video um, popped up on my TikTok about this. So it's been, I believe, seven years since he got Tommy John. I think it was right out of college that he had. So he's had it before. Yeah, and this is a relatively normal occurrence. Um, there's a bit of a shelf life on Tommy John surgery because it, it's a full reconstruction, essentially, of your UCL. And, um, like, a lot of guys, like top pitchers in the league have had it twice. Like, DeGrom 
has had it twice. I think Verlander's had it twice. Dustin May has had it twice in like five years. Um, and among multiple other notable pitchers, I think Walker Bueller had it uh, right out of college as well. So it's not like the end of the world, but it's certainly much harder to come back from the second one. Gotcha. Well, hopefully Shane McClanahan can because he is a um, he's so fun to watch, dude. Yeah, he so is. fun to watch. So, All right. um, and I only have one more news piece. If you were, yeah, if let's you were done it. as well. Um, I have some uh, happy news because it's about Miguel Cabrera. Who could who could hate Miguel Cabrera at this point in his career? Honestly, um, tied former Tiger teammate Gary Sheffield uh, hitting a home run. I think it was sometime last week. He hit one four thirty seven. Grayson, it was his longest in two years, and um, I think I didn't actually write it down, but uh, he, he tied his uh, former Tiger teammate Gary Sheffield on like the all time list, and I think it, that puts him at like twenty six, maybe. Yeah, I know Gary Sheffield home runs all time. Yeah. So um, yeah, congrats, Miguel Cabrera. Um, said that yeah. he even surprised himself too, which is just like just warms my heart that like you know an athlete that used to be like superhuman you know he's old and he's still playing and he's like even surprising himself and i just am like what do you mean you're surprising yourself you're you're miguel cabrera but yeah. um i i of course i get it with the age and everything so yeah good miguel cabrera news yeah i think i also saw um i think they played the twins this week and the twins gave him a hockey stick a fishing rod and a tackle box that's so sick. <laughs> <laughs> it's very Minnesota of them. Of course. Um, Love it. So before we get into this Wander Franco update that is not good, um, I saw this question on Reddit, and I figured I'd ask, uh, if you could build a dream infield of anyone in MLB history, who are you picking? But I'm going to add a stipulation. You can't pick Yankees players, and I can't pick Braves players. Did I have to think of four right now? I've already got mine, so I can go first, and you can yeah, go you ahead. can develop your infield. Um, it's just gonna be first, second, third, and short. So my first baseman would be Albert Pujols, just because okay. I, I love Albert Pujols. He's one of the best first basemen of all time. Second base, I'm taking Joe Morgan, because I have an infatuation with the Big Red Machine and that whole era of the Reds. And then third base, my I've said this before. My favorite non-Braves jersey is a Mike Schmidt powder blue Phillies jersey. So I had to take Mike Schmidt at third base. One of the uh, probably one of, if not the best, third baseman of all time. Yep. And then at shortstop, Alex Rodriguez. Okay, um, crap. This is gonna be hard. Uh, first baseman. It's between three. I I've always loved Rizzo. Freddie and Goldie, but I think I would take Goldie out of all those guys. I, I'm a huge Paul Goldschmidt guy. I love it. Um, and so you don't mean second base? I can't take Robinson Cano, shortstop, Jeter, third base, nope. A Rod. <laughs> nope, you cannot. Crap, can I? I, I wouldn't of... have even let Rizzo fly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I actually didn't even. I, I'm kind of thinking of him as a Cub right now because he's been yeah. so relevant this season as a Yankee. Um. Oh man, this is tough. 
You know, shortstop, I always liked prime Angleton Simmons. I, I thought yep. he was sick in Atlanta. I would have taken him if he wasn't a brave. Um, second base, I always liked Chase Utley. I, I don't know oh. if that's kind of like a meme pick, but I, no, I, I, I like really that. liked Chase Utley as a, a second baseman. Even when he played for the Braves, too, I thought it was cool that he came to my uh, home team, even though I wasn't my favorite team. Um, Wait, hold on. Right, Chase so Utley got... played for the Braves? Did I miss something? Oh, no. I'm Dan Ugla. I, okay. I confused him. Two, two U last names. My bad. My bad. So, wait. Your pick uh, was Dan Ugla or your pick was Chase Utley? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go Chase Utley. Okay. Chase Utley. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, my bad. <laughs> uh, third base. I want somebody, somebody who can hit, but also someone who has like a rocket arm. Damn. You know what? I, I since I can't think of one, I'm going to take Ellie De La Cruz. <laughs> okay, all right. That's a sick ass infield that you just. So put together. I'm going from third to first: Ellie De La Cruz, Angelton Simmons, uh, Chase Utley, Paul Goldschmidt. All right, that is quite the uh, quite. It's it's quite an infield. And next episode, we're we're by far going to continue this because I really enjoyed it and I want it to be on the prep sheet so I can think about it. Yeah. I, I want to do like outfield or like rotation. I think okay. we should do like a little series. I okay. think that'd be sick. Yeah, yeah, we can certainly do that. But let's talk about Wander Franco uh, because it does not look good. Can I can I preface this for a second? Yeah, please. I have not heard anything that's happened. I've only seen the memes. Okay. So this is news to me. Okay. Well, um, if you or anybody else hasn't heard what happened, go listen to Wednesday's episode. But. I'm going to continue from where we were at. So it looks like there's been a lot of progress um, with this investigation. The Dominican Republic is somebody close to the situation said that the case is not as simple as it is being rumored in some media. There That's are many people involved and there are more minors involved. Oh man, that is not good. And uh, another person very close to the investigation said it will be very unlikely that Wander Franco will play in the MLB again. Judging by the results of the investigations that are currently being carried out, which directly commit him to the accusations against him. So these aren't just allegations right now. Or they're allegations, but they're serious. Yeah, they, they seem to be very serious allegations, and this investigation is certainly not going the way of Wander Franco. Oh, man, that's... um. Awful news. Yeah. Here. And it also, like, you're an awful person. A hundred percent. Yeah. And I, I it kind of, it's just weird to think that, you know, in the summer, we were, like, jumping to defend him, you know, for tossing the ball up on that ground yeah. out. And, you know, calling him, like, you know, one of the kind of, like, newer, more fun infielders in baseball. And now, you know, it's, uh, we found out about all this kind of uh, piece of shit, you know. Yeah stuff so it's uh not good yeah that is fucking disgusting um and like i said to close out the statements on wednesday i just want everything to get done fairly um if this is what happened it's what happened he deserves his punishments if it's not what happened then let let the man be but um like i said it doesn't look good so hopefully this is all resolved fairly. <coughs> Excuse me. I heard the uh, I heard the base stars have a spot. 
Oh yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> Can I say that? Is yeah. it is it too soon? No, no, I was making jokes about <laughs> it on Wednesday. So <laughs> um Yeah. All right, let's get into the weekend preview. Let's do it. Yeah. Uh I'm gonna start off Blue Jays versus Reds. Okay. I think that's um, going to be a great series, mainly for wild card standings. The Blue Jays need to defend their spot in the wild card right now. Um, they are third in the wild card. They're only a half game ahead of the Mariners. And then for the Reds, they are in a three way tie right now with the Cubs and Marlins for the third place spot in the wild card in the National League. I like it. Um, I'm going to throw a couple at you that I'm looking at right now. Um, of course, Yankees, Red Sox. Yeah. Um, Honestly, would be a good time for the Yankees to turn shit around, um, you know, against Boston. And then your team, y'all, y'all have the Giants. Next, yeah. Or Rangers have the Brewers. Both of those are going to be really good series, I think. Agreed. Uh, Mariners, Astros. Yep, Mariners, Astros, Blue Jays, Reds. Marlins, gonna be Dodgers. going to be a good one as well. Yep. We got really a lot of, it's a, it's a hefty weekend. Yeah, yeah. Very strong lineup this weekend. So go out to the field, man. Get get out oh, to the parks. Uh, yes. Um, and to bounce off of you, I'm just looking at uh, Alcantara is going to pitch against the Dodgers. So that's going to be mm. that's going to be fun uh, tomorrow. Night. Yeah. And we'll see Alex Cobb versus Spencer Strider, Giants Braves on Friday. Um, we'll see. I guess it looks like. Uh, or wait, was that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, that was Friday. Looks like Sunday. We'll see some more Max Freed. Uh, there's undecided for the Giants, but yeah, fantastic pitching matchups throughout the weekend, and um, yeah, I'm excited. Yes, cannot wait. We got some real good ones, and look, the playoffs—they're they're sneaking up. We're only a month and a half away. Yeah, um, and the, this postseason, dude, there's going to be so many like wild card teams that are new. Like, like the fact alone that the Cubs and the Reds could go is just sick to me. Like, I, I yeah. just love that. It's um. It's going to be a great season. It's going to be an awesome – well, it already is a great season. It's going to be a great postseason, I think. Yeah, I definitely agree. And I could see this being the season where we have a surprise World Series winner. I really do. Um, I feel like with the amount of new exciting teams that are going to be there, like the Orioles look obviously really good. They're not going to just sneak into the playoffs. But um, I feel like it could go a way that a lot of people not think it could go. Yeah, yeah, as of right now – uh, ESPN's playoff predictors uh, percent chance of making the playoffs. Braves and Dodgers are both greater than 99.9%. Um, the Ranger, or no, the Orioles next at 98%. The Rays, 96%. The Rangers, 93%. Astros, 91%. And the Twins, a 91%. Um, in the National League as well. The Phillies an eighty five percent. The Brewers only a seventy nine percent, though they lead their division by two and a half. Uh, and then the Giants sixty four percent. So, look, a whole lot could happen, for sure. So uh, can't quite count anybody here. out yet. Yep, and we're gonna be here to bring the news. It's gonna yes, be so fun. Of course, Boy. and uh, also just so you know, the Athletics could be eliminated as soon as next week. <laughs> Um, wah, wah, wah. Yeah, and, and of course that means like they'd have to lose all the games, and I think a couple of the wild card teams would have to win 
all of their games. But nonetheless, uh, I got a feeling it'll be happening either this week or by September. And also the Braves uh, have a chance of clinching a playoff spot before September. Awesome. Which is crazy. I'm surprised we um, we didn't talk about Angel Hernandez. I'd rather not. <laughs> you you saw though that um it was like two days ago that he uh he lost his appeal yeah. again yeah God, i i like i can't fucking stand that guy bro yeah not only is he like he's not like joe west right or joe west you know joe west i feel like he played the part yes you know? angel hernandez is genuinely awful and then wants to blame it on other people for like you know not getting um, I, I think a while ago it was postseason games that he wasn't getting chosen for. I, I really don't know anything about this new allegation or the new um, new lawsuit that he brought against the MLB. But like he just continues to like not only make the MLB look bad, but make himself look like even more of just a bitch. <laughs> yeah, no, he so, is just continuing to look like more and more of a villain. Yeah, hundred percent. But that's it for the MLB. Before we get into the NFC West preview, um, I want to bring up uh, the Michael Orr situation. Okay. It seems that the Tui family intends to end their conservatorship for Michael Orr and that the records show that Orr did sign the conservatorship papers in 2004, three months after his 18th birthday. Um, and experts say that there's no basis for this conservatorship to exist. This whole situation's weird. Um, once again, if you haven't heard the whole story, go back to Wednesday's episode. Me and Colin went pretty in-depth on it. And, um, yeah, so it looks like a lot of this is being resolved, which is, is great for Michael Orr because what they did to him is extremely unfair. And then also, Adam Schefter went off about Mike Shanahan not making the Hall of Fame. Wow. <laughs> okay, Shefty. Yeah, he said... I think it's a bunch of BS. Mike Shanahan is a Hall of Famer yesterday, today, and tomorrow. It's ridiculous. Who made these 50 people the voices of God and the deciders of fate? Like, who comes up with these <laughs> stupid rules? Wow. Okay, so, Shefty, but um, I, I didn't realize that he was up for Hall of Fame. I've always loved Mike Shanahan. Yeah. Always thought he was a great coach. Yeah, he is up for the Hall of Fame. Didn't make it this year. And Shefty also said, these are mistakes. Mike Shanahan is a Hall of Famer. He's just not in the Hall of Fame. He belongs in the Hall of Fame. He should have been in before. He's going to get in, but let's just make him wait for 2024. Until the judges of the game, the arbiters of the truth, get to issue that pass to go to the Hall. He said, like, okay, give me a break. Yeah, and I'm just going to um, hop on the back of uh, Shefty here, and I'm just going to drop some stats here, uh, some some Wikipedia stats off the fly. Love it. Regular season record is 170 to 138, so that is obviously above 500. His postseason record, this is as a head coach, is 8-6. and six. So that, that alone is pretty good. He's a three-time Super Bowl champion, one time as an assistant coach. Put him in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, and don't even get me started on his coaching tree. 
Oh, yeah. It's crazy. No. Like, it's ridiculous. He's had guys under him like Matt LaFleur, Kyle Shanahan, Anthony Lynn, Gary Kubiak, Kevin Stefanski, uh, Sean, or I think I already said Sean McVay, but Zachary Taylor, Robert Sala, Mike McDaniel, Mike LaFleur, Arthur Smith, Nathaniel Hackett. Like, literally cemented guys in this league have come from underneath Mike Shanahan or the coaches that he had underneath him. Like, it is insane. Yeah, like, that that Broncos team, you know, that that little, like, decent, you know, sometimes okay Broncos team that had that dude named John Elway on it, Mike Shanahan was the head coach. Yeah. So, there you go. Yeah, and that, <laughs> that, what, like, mid-2000s, early 2010s Redskins team that he coached? Yeah, I, yeah. Oh, dude, I totally dude. forgot. Like he, he, if RG three never got hurt. Oh my god. Just saying. Just yeah. Saying. Dude, Kyle Shanahan was on that staff. Mike McDaniel, I think, was like a wide receivers coach. Matt Lafleur was on that staff. Sean McVay was on that staff. Crazy. Yeah. Insane. Yeah, it is. Uh, but speaking of Shanahan, let's get into these NFC West preview. Uh, Let's do it. We start with the standings. Um, I'll go ahead and say mine. I've got 49ers, Seahawks, Rams, Cardinals. I'm right there with you. Yeah, I genuinely don't think it could be anything else. Yeah, and and to kind of bounce off of that, I don't really even have a dark horse for this division. Um, I I think you could make a case for the Seahawks, you know, if uh, things go wrong in San Francisco. Um, The Seahawks only got better. Last year, I, I think that they'll be a lot more consistent. If that'll push them to dark horse to win the division, probably not. But the Seahawks, I think, are going to be a lot better than what they were last season. And I think a good case scenario, they could actually genuinely rival the 49ers come like week, I don't know, 14, 15. Yeah. I, that, that's like the closest I could see. I love that we're on the same, same wavelength here because I was thinking the same thing with the dark horse. It's like, I don't think anybody's going to beat the 49ers. If it does happen, it's going to be the Seahawks. Yeah, and honestly, with the with how the Seahawks were last season and how much fun we had, you know, covering Geno Smith and pretty much like their just their whole like makeup of their team, I would love to see it. <laughs> I would love to see them blow everybody away. Yeah, it'd be great. Um, and of course, the Rams. I just I don't know what's going to happen there, but. I don't think they'll be worse than the Cardinals. <laughs> no, I, I, so the Rams are a weird one. Um, and I have, I, well, I'll just go ahead and say it now. One of my surprise players is actually Matthew Stafford. I, I think he's going to have a comeback year. He'll be healthy. Um, and who knows, like a team with a healthy Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup on it, I think could be above 500, definitely better than what they were last year. Yeah. So may, maybe the Rams could kind of shake things up, but. And again, they were like awful last season. So yeah, even with the guys healthy, they weren't good. Yeah. So exactly. I don't know. We'll have to see. But yeah, let's get into these MVP nominees for the division. Um, it's weird because typically we'd start off with the the great quarterbacks in this division. I don't think there really is gonna be one this season. Yeah, Brock Purdy's gonna do his thing, so he could make a case for this. The same for Matt Stafford. He can make a case. Honestly, Geno Smith is probably your best option here as a quarterback. Yeah, um, which is so weird to say, but yeah. I'm, I'm 
once again, as we have been so far, I'm right there with you. Okay. Well, I compiled my MVP nominees just by team. So I went to a, I thought of a team, started there. So I started with the 49ers. I've got Christian McCaffrey is kind of my overall favorite. Yep. And then yeah. Debo Samuel, who I think is going to have a much better season this year than okay. Nick Bosa and Fred Warner from that defense. Gotcha. Um, I have everybody that you had except for Debo. Okay. Yep. Um, the Rams, I had Cooper Cup and Aaron Donald. Yep. Um, Me too. And the yeah, the Seahawks, I didn't have any from the Cardinals. The Me Seahawks, I, I still put DK Metcalf on there. I, I think a more settled in Gino with Jackson Smith and Jigba and still Tyler Lockett, I, I, it amazes me that he's still playing at the level that he's been able to play at. But I think DK Metcalf could have a very, very good season next year, definitely better than last season. Yeah, my two from the Seahawks are Gino and Kenneth Walker. I love the Kenneth Walker take. Yeah, I, I think, like, yes, there's going to be a lot of targets going to the wide receivers because they have such a great wide receiver room. But yes. Kenneth Walker, if he plays as efficient as he did last year, and obviously like, if he doesn't get hurt there at the end, like he's going to have a great season. Yeah, exactly. And maybe um, you know this kind of helps his case. Maybe it doesn't. But the Seahawks actually like kind of um, overhauled their running backs uh, minus yeah. Kenneth Walker. Like they they took two in the draft. Uh, let me see. I gotta find. It's um, Zach Charbonnet like, and Kenny McIntosh. I knew the UGA guy, but I couldn't remember the um, the second guy's name. But um, yeah, like I, I think um, overall for the Seahawks, like they just really they really had an awesome offseason offensively. It's going to be entertaining to watch. Yeah, I, I really like what they did this offseason. <clears throat> so let's go ahead and get into the defensive player of the year nominees because uh, I've got I've got two from the Seahawks. I've got four from the the Forty Niners, of course. Um, and then I've got a I've got a Ram and a Cardinal. Okay. So okay. Um, for the forty, yeah, for the 49ers, I've got Nick Bosa, Fred Warner, Javon Hargrave, and Talanoa Hufanga. I like it. Um, I put Hufanga on my list as well, but I only had Nick Bosa and Fred Warner. I, I think Javon Hargrave as the way that he played with the Steelers and the way that he was with Philly, I I think he's just really really good at stats that wouldn't get you a defensive player of the year so that's why i didn't put him on there all right yep and then seahawks i've got devin witherspoon the rookie and of course Tariq wolin who is now going by reek r-i-q okay well reek wolin i um i agree with reek i i had reek i don't think devin witherspoon i i think he's going to be a little bit of a project okay one. And then I've got Aaron Donald because he's Aaron Donald. Me too. Yep. And then for the Cardinals, Buda Baker, just because I still believe in him and he's just a fantastic player. Same. Yeah. Buda Baker um, put him on the list uh, despite, you know, kind of being hurt last season, not really having the best season on top of being hurt, but um, just easily one of my favorite non Steelers players by far um, and a very, very exciting talent. I could still see him getting a defensive player of the year. Yeah, I, I will say, when I was looking at like the Rams and Cardinals defenses to see if there was anybody else I liked, I was shocked by how bad these defenses are. <laughs> oh, I know, especially the Rams minus Aaron Donald. Yeah, 
like, I guess your next best is like Byron Young at linebacker. Jordan I'm going to throw this one at you. Bobby Wagner is back with his old team. That's true. I I didn't put him on my list either, but I feel like there's just too many question marks for him. And I, I know that's weird, you know, because Bobby Wagner has played pretty much the same his entire career. So, uh, you know what, maybe, shit, I'll throw him in my defensive player of the year too. I, I like Bobby Wagner a lot. And with him going back to his old team uh, and his old team's actually kind of like rebuilt, I think he could have probably one of his best seasons. All right. Now that I'm thinking about it. Yeah. So. Um. All right, let's talk rookies, offense or defense. Um, I've got Devin Witherspoon. Just I, th- I think he's going to have a great year, so had to put him there. Yep. Um, that Zach Charbonnet guy, the running back out of UCLA, I, you know, NFL kind of moving to the two back system. Don't get me wrong. Love Kenneth Walker. He loved my fantasy team last season. Um, I, I hope to see, you know, Kenny and Zach getting touches. Cause I, I loved both of them in college. Yeah. Um, well, Zach, I didn't really know from college, but Kenny McIntosh, obviously being a UGA kid, I, you know, watched him. So I'm hoping that a lot of those Seahawks running backs can get um, touches as well, both of the new rookies. Yeah. Um, also, Jackson Smith and Jigba, of course. Of course, yep. And then, um, so the, the Rams and 49ers, don't, like, they really don't have many rookies. I, I actually have a couple. Okay. To drop on you. Um, Warren McClendon got drafted to the Rams. Yeah. He's, a, 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 I think, like an outside lineman uh, out of UGA, but he can play interior as well. I think with the Rams offensive line, I think he could actually work his way in there. All right. Um, and, and make some differences there. Um, let's see who else. I have. Paris Johnson. He, he's going to be a big guy. I think for the Cardinals, um, the tackle out of Ohio state that you and I talked a lot about um, on our draft uh, draft stuff. I think he'll be good. And then I have a sleeper and you're going to like this take, but Jake Moody, a kicker from Michigan drafted yep. to the 49ers in the second round. Third. People I think. are calling him. Oh, third. Okay. People are calling him like a secret weapon. Yeah. So, and I, and I, I don't. The 49ers may have gotten a really good kicker. Yes. The preseason, not off to a hot start for him. No, not at all. But <laughs> I do agree with that one. Uh, but I didn't put him in the rookie of the year. I had him in the surprise players. Uh, okay. My last rookie of the year one, though, BJ Ojolari uh, for yep. the Cardinals. Uh, had him as well. Rookie out of LSU. Like that. Uh, my surprise players, though, I had uh, Jake Moody and Paris Johnson. Um, I, I only put him here just because, like, his team's going to suck, and he's an offensive lineman, so it's hard to put him in, like, rookie of the year. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my. yeah, I forgot that the segment was rookie of the year. I was just highlighting the rookies that I liked. Yeah. <laughs> my bad. But, um, yeah, I, I agree with you there. Um, I have a couple surprise players, actually. It looks like more than you. Yeah, go ahead. Um, I've, I've got I, two more. So, although the team will be bad, I think Hollywood Brown could make a huge jump. Um, of course, he won't have D-Hop anymore, but I think he's at the point where – I don't know. Hollywood, Hollywood Brown's a weird case because I think he's at the point where he could be wide receiver one, but I also could see him having, like, kind of a, you know, a same similar season to what he had last season, you know. I'm hoping he'll take that next step. Um, Cam Akers is on my list, too. It feels like he's been hurt the entire time he's been in the NFL. So, who knows? Maybe a healthy Cam Akers with a healthy Matthew Stafford and a healthy Cooper Cup. Maybe. Who knows? Um, Talanoa Hufanga, I put him on this as well because I just think he'll be that much better. 
you know, he was good last season, but I think he'll be even better this season, maybe even win a Super Bowl or Defensive Player of the Year. Who knows? Um, and then the 49ers have uh, their wide receiver three. I think he's a rookie, or maybe he played last season, but that uh, Jahan Johnson guy. Yeah. I think he could also make some waves in the NFL under Brock Purdy and under that super efficient offense. So Agreed. Those were my surprise players. Uh, mine, I've got Boye Mafe, weak side linebacker, so like outside linebacker uh, for the Seahawks. I loved what he did in the preseason. This first game was great. Uh, didn't really get too much playing time last year. Only, I think, accumulated like eight tackles. But the guy's a force, man. 6'4", 261. He's, he's big, and he is fast as well. And, um, yeah, I think he's going to be great. Going into his second year, his usage is going to go way up. He's going to be starting. So, yeah, look out for Boye Mafe. And then for the 49ers, Traverius Ward. He's already a great player. I think he's going to crack into that top 10 corners in the league conversation. I like it. We'll have to, um, we'll have to see if he does whenever we do our, um, our position rankings again. Yeah, at the end of the season, we'll yes. see. But, yeah, I, I really like what Jarvis Ward has. I think right now he's, like, just outside of that top 10. Um, yeah, like a, like a top 20, top 15 solid. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I see him as, like, top 15 for sure. But, yeah, I think he's going to break into that top 10, maybe maybe push the top five with Jalen Ramsey out. Yeah, who knows? But, um, yeah, overall thoughts for this division, though, I, I think, once again, a, a great division. Not as much for, like, See like the battle to win the division, but more just two of these teams are going to play great football. Yeah, exactly. Two of these teams are probably going to be playoff teams, and I mean, yeah, the other two teams like the the Rams are all a weird case because they were shit last season, but they have a lot of cool players on their team that we can highlight, like Aaron Donald and Stafford and Cup. Um. And the Cardinals, you know, I feel like they just brought in a lot of like exciting new talent, but it, it's going to be a minute before um, before they're going to be able to get that all together. I think I, I could honestly see the Cardinals being the worst team in the league. Yeah, I, I have a feeling they will be. I think they're the favorite for the first overall draft pick next year. So, um, yeah, we'll we'll see how that goes. I got a feeling yep. they're going to be a one or two win team. Yeah, I mean, Colt McCoy's week one starter, never something you want to see unless it's college in the early 2000s. So That's very true. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, I think that does it. So right now, the way that the, the schedule is, is preceding us, next week we will do the NFC South, and then we will do the NFC North, and then on the 7th, which is – when we'd record it will be the first game of the season, which I don't think we'll, we might record late enough where we get to talk about it. Not too sure yet, but um, we will do not only the NFC beast preview, but also our NFL season awards predictions. So you're going to get a little NFL double feature from the boys on the seventh. Uh, dude, the predictions is like one of my favorite things to do. And I think that's why I like this series so much. But the NFC beast, that one, that one could take us a minute to get through. But it I might. could not be more excited. It might. <laughs> Honestly. So, uh, yeah, look forward to it. NFL double feature. Uh, you'll yep. hear it on September 8th. But for now, 
Let's head across the pond. We got a whole different type of football to talk about. Ah, here we go. Premier League week two. And uh, we've got some some good matchups, a lot of bad ones. <laughs> uh, we already had a game postponed. That one we already kind of knew about. Luton Town was supposed to host Burnley um, this week, but Luton Town Stadium renovations aren't quite done, so they are delaying it and uh, pushing that match back. So no Luton Town this week. But we started off with my Magpies. They head to Manchester, to Etihad Stadium, to face Man City. But this Man City is going to look a little different because there will be no Kevin De Bruyne until December. Big, big injury. Yeah, it's like a that's a that's a season changer. It it just might be, Um, especially like you know, thinking of like all the center mid talent that they you know lost in the off season. Of course, they they brought in guys like Mateo Kovacic, who in their last game, um, oh my God, who did they play? They played uh, Burnley. That's right. Uh, Kovacic obviously came on in that game, and he had a he filled in. Exactly like how I thought he would. He had a decent game. So maybe Kovacic can hold it down, but even with my bias towards the Chelsea Kovacic, nobody in the entire world, Grayson, compares to KDB. And that's Kevin De Bruyne. Yeah, so yeah nobody compares at all. He's unreplaceable, really. Yeah, and then Bernardo Silva is also doubtful. Looks like he's just sick. Uh, but that could just be a cover-up for them sending him off to Spain. Um, yeah, and then exactly. on Newcastle's <laughs> side... Joe Willock appears to be doubtful with a hamstring injury, uh, but that's really their only key inactive. But in general, I like the way these two teams match up. I hope that doesn't sound biased, but you've got two offenses that have started off the season just absolutely firing. And you've got Manchester City's attack facing Newcastle's very strong physical defense. And then... You'll have Newcastle's attack that obviously put up a ton of goals, and they'll be facing Man City's defense, which is a much more tactical and technically strong defense than what most Premier League teams are going to show off. Well, and and on top of that, like, don't get me wrong. And now that you have a Premier League team, as much as I would love to take jabs at you, I, I really can't. Like, this Newcastle team is just so... It's just so much fun. Like the way that they lined up against um, Aston Villa, and I, I don't, I don't want to take your thunder here, but like the front three of Anthony Gordon, who I watched in the preseason game versus Chelsea, he was absolutely electric. By the way, Alexander Isak, the young striker from Sweden, scoring two goals, and one of them was absolutely a ridiculous goal, yeah. by the way. And then Miggy Miguel Almiron, Atlanta's favorite, the sweetheart of Georgia, right. And then your midfield is Tonale, Gimaraish, and Joe Ellington. That alone is sick for you it guys. Is. Like, I'm getting so hyped up talking about, like, a team that's not even, like, my favorite team. But, like, I need you to understand, Grayson. I think Newcastle, after their first game, and I know we're only one game in, could maybe even finish top three. We'll see. Because if their defense can hold up like it did last season and they line up with that front six that I just mentioned, that midfield and attacking six, that's going to be tough if they're all on their game. My my biggest concern is the Champions League. I think that that kind of could throw some things off. 
you know, kind of divert their attention. Maybe they, maybe they'll be a little more focused on doing well in the Champions League than they probably should be, and, and that hey. could give some negative effects to this Premier League lineup. But for now, like, yeah, you were you you hit the nail on the head with how they lined up last week. But also the bench. Callum Wilson came off the bench in the 68th minute. He put up a goal. Harvey Barnes in his debut. Oh, my God. A goal and an assist. He came in in the 68th as well. Uh, and Jacob Murphy came in in the 86th minute and picked up an assist. Like, these guys look fantastic. Sandro Tonali's goal was great. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just, I, I, I'm on top of the world right now. <laughs> yeah. What a time to be a magpie. Um and even um, I'm excited to see Valentino uh, Liv- Livramento. Yes. Is that yeah. how you pronounce his name? Yeah, I'm excited Livramento. to see him get playing time as well. Um, he was on the bench versus Aston Villa. But, um, yeah, it's just that that's the one thing that I think will hurt Newcastle. And it's something that I think hurt Leicester City when they also made the Champions League after winning the league. Um, is the depth that the you know, instilled Champions League teams are going to have versus the teams that are new to the Champions League, like Newcastle. I think that is the only place I could see Newcastle struggling is how they would not only, well, yeah, how they would balance their depth as far as, you know, playing a Wednesday game and then having the Premier League on the weekend. You know, that is where I think they could get hurt. But, you know, obviously we don't have a, uh, a sample size to go off of yet. So, that's where I could see Newcastle failing. Yeah, and what's interesting is that you kind of segue me into this where I think that's what's going to happen to Manchester City this week. They're coming off of a UEFA Super Cup match that went deep in, into the game, into penalties, and they played a lot of their Premier League starters. This is a very Kevin De Bruyne-less squad that they put out there. They have yeah. Holland up front, Palmer on the right, Foden at Cam and then Grealish on the left, and you have Kovacic and Rodri in holding midfield, and then Vardial, Ake, Akanji, Walker is the back line, and then Ederson and goal. Yeah, maybe Vardial and Ake aren't going to play in the squad at the same time a lot, especially because in the Prem they typically run that three-back formation and allow John Stones to play up into the midfield, and you'd have Ruben Diaz in that back with Kyle Walker and either Ake or Vardial because they play that position of left center back in a three-back formation very well, but they play it a little bit differently. So... I don't know if this is exactly how they line up, but at least that attacking four of Grealish, Foden, Palmer, and Holland, very similar to how I see them lining up in the Prem. And I think that is going to kind of affect them. If they're throwing out lineups like this throughout the Champions League, I think that's going to hurt them in the Prem, and I think that's what's going to happen this week. But my prediction is a 2-2 draw, because Holland is always good for one or two. Yeah, I, I like that take. Um, it's it's really hard for me to want to to willfully say that Newcastle could beat Manchester City, but I yeah. think I, I think it's a hundred percent possibility. You know, I, I feel like Manchester City, despite you know the win against Sevilla, it was still a tough win for them, um, playing like you know pretty much their full squad. Um, of course, they managed to walk all over Burnley uh, with the red card as well and the 3-0. Oh, man, it, it's this is going to be tough. I think Newcastle could surprise a lot of people. I'm going 2-1 Newcastle. All right. I, hey, I love to hear it. Because, I mean, like, 
yeah, Holland's good, but I'm going to respect Newcastle's defense over Holland this time. I, I truly am. Um, I, I think Newcastle are playing more complete than City right now. And I know it's only been two games for City, but Newcastle just looked better. All right. Yeah. Hey, I like to hear it. I, I don't want to get too high because I, I don't want my expectations to be too through the roof. But if you want to say it, uh, I'm I'm totally down for it. Yeah, but our next it. our next match we'll talk about Tottenham versus Manchester United uh, at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Quite a few inactives here for both sides. Um, it looks like Benton Kerr, uh, Loris, uh, Brian Heal, and a few other guys are going to be out for Tottenham, and then for Manchester United. Uh, it looks like Rasmus Hoylun is going to be out with a back injury uh, until late August. And that's kind of their main inactive here. But I just, I don't know. The way that we saw Manchester United line up last week without Hoylun in the lineup, I still kind of like. Yeah, um, I'm looking at their lineup versus Wolves here. Um, it was Rashford up top, uh, Garnacho on the left, Mount uh, center mid, Bruno Fernandez, the other center mid, Anthony on the right. Um, yeah, Manchester United lined up really well. Um, Andre Onana looks really good for Manchester United, the new goalie. And another new player, James Madison, had a stellar debut in the 2-2 draw versus Brentford. He was, I thought, by far their best player. Easily. Agreed. And, and you know, Harry Kane is gone. So... It's, Rich in baby. Yeah. <laughs> Who didn't score in the 2-2 draw versus Brentford played the whole time. What a fucking surprise. What a fucking surprise. Dude, Tottenham <laughs> are finished. Like, Tottenham obviously are still going to have a good team, but like, Youngman's son even got subbed out too. He actually captained the team versus Brentford, which I like to see. I I'm sorry, Grayson, but Kulisevsky and Youngman's son is their wingers. I don't know if I like Perisic getting benched, and I don't know if I would bench Kulisevsky. That's all I'm going to say. And that's that's probably the hottest take of the episode so far. <laughs> I don't disagree. Yeah. So it's – um, I, I could easily see Tottenham getting absolutely thrashed by United. Yeah, 2-2 two, two versus this Brentford lineup, not, not, not a, a good look. look. Not at all. No. Um, Thanks, Yomiya But <laughs> shut the fuck up. But shout out the defenders for hot for uh, Tottenham for uh, carrying, um, yeah, both the goals, yeah, both from a right goals. back and a center back. <laughs> Very interesting. Uh, uh, but a great debut for uh, Mickey Vandeven, the uh, transfer from Wolfsburg. Yeah, um, and, and you know what? As much as I hate Tottenham, and I, I love the season that they're about to have because I'm already predicting they're going to be shit. But I, I think it's about time for them to rebuild. You know, um, yep. losing Harry Kane. Obviously, boyhood player who spent 20-plus years there. It, it's going to suck for Tottenham. But you know what? It it may be what the team needs because they're still not winning trophies. So yeah. I, I almost, in a way, kind of like the path they're going down. I think James Madison is a great transfer. And as you said, um, Mickey Vandeven looks to have a good day – or he looked to have a good debut. So hopefully he can continue that as well. And, like, when their injuries, you know, start coming back, I think they're a seventh-place team. Yeah, agreed. Realistically, so yeah, they they'd have to have quite the winter transfer window for me to change my mind on how average they're going to be this season. 
Of course. And uh, but on the United side, I had a I have an interesting question for you. Okay. Um, Mason Mount finished the game with a six point seven, or at least that's how my uh, my scale that I'm using has him rated. Does Mason Mount need to start over Christian Eriksen? Uh, because I I maybe don't know like i know that you invested a lot in mason mount so obviously he would start the first couple games but could you see mason mount you know hitting the bench from united like as a regular bench player because i could i could definitely see it just because of the playmaking effect that christian erickson has because especially with hoylund out you you force rashford up the field at striker and rashford does have playmaking ability on the left for sure. And you take that out. And yes, Alejandro Garnacho, great playmaker. Don't get me wrong. I I don't see him naturally playing on the left. And I think that kind of affected him in this one. He didn't have a great match either. So, I don't know. Maybe maybe even trying out Mount on the left and, for and now. Erickson in the middle? Yeah. And, and take I, fucking I Anthony out of the lineup. <laughs> Why? I know he had a decent game. I don't think he's that good. <laughs> okay. I mean, you know, that's that's fair. I, I think a lot of people are 50-50 on Anthony, so I don't think you're necessarily in the minority in saying that. Yeah, I, I'm glad because, yeah, <laughs> I, I'm I'm not the biggest fan. Uh, but um, some interesting news came out of their Manchester United Wolves matchup last week. Uh, what, three of the referees associated? Uh, I think one of the assistant refs, and like two of the people involved with VAR, both aren't, or all three of them aren't refing Premier League games this weekend. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, after that decision, uh, I believe, of no penalty for uh, Onana uh, on that oh, pretty vicious, yeah. vicious grab. <laughs> God, I would I would hate to get laid out by Andre Onana, man. <laughs> that, that's a middle yeah. linebacker out there. <laughs> yeah, dude, he uh, is damn. scary. Yeah, he's um, what a fantastic pickup. Like I, I honestly like depending on how uh, Rasmus Hoyland uh, fits in and how they figure out their like center mids and wingers. Manchester United could I think could be a top three team in the Prem. Agreed. They look really good, and I mean even this lineup on paper, it's it's a tough lineup to beat, man. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and I don't think they go down this week. Um, I think they take a 3-0 victory over Spurs. Yeah, I- I'm going to go 3-1. I think Spurs will get one. Okay. At least one. Yeah. All right, and then we go to your side. Down in London. West yes. Ham versus... Well, I guess we stay in London because we were just talking about the Spurs match. But West Ham versus Chelsea. Um, What are your first thoughts with this one? Um, I, I'm actually going to go to the West Ham side first because there's okay. there's an interesting story out of them, and it's in West Ham's midfield. And I have a question for you, Grayson. Yeah. So uh, James Ward-Prowse and Edison Alvarez are. Will we see them versus Chelsea? Because we didn't see them in the debut. Um, I did see Edison Alvarez practicing, so I have a feeling we'll probably see him in the lineup. Um, I, I I'd certainly hope to see. Edson in the lineup. I don't know about James still. Uh, I know that the Lucas Paqueta transfer is kind of in limbo. So I don't know if we see him either, which would probably force James Ward-Prowse into the lineup. But yeah, I, I don't know. This There's still 
the looming effects of the transfer window on this West Ham lineup right now. Yes. Yep. Um, on the Chelsea side, though, damn that Liverpool game. Yeah. <laughs> that was so – it was so entertaining. Um, but the the 1-1 draw, man, I just I, – I wasn't really satisfied. Um, I, I was satisfied in the sense that, you know, I, I'm understanding that this Chelsea team is completely like – there's so many new faces. There's so many new moving pieces. But one good side is that everybody seems to be happy with each other. Like, it's just a great vibe in the Chelsea camp as of now. Um, Liverpool, though, man, and, and we're going to talk about it later, but, like, absolutely no holding midfielders for Liverpool. Their midfield, yep. they lined up with Gakpo, McAllister, and Sobelsly, all of which are, like, you couldn't be more attacking-minded. <laughs> yeah players I, and i'm not saying that any of these guys can't play defense like i'm sure McAllister, like you know has a good work rate and you know can run around a lot but like it, besides their four defenders liverpool has nobody that can defend and that's kind of what we saw in the chelsea game and i wish we would have capitalized on it but like when chelsea had the ball in, in possession against liverpool where kind of it's like center mids on center mids and it's like chelsea passing the ball around liverpool looked horrible I'm not going to lie. Um, and, you know, it, there was a lot of controversy with Mohamed Salah getting subbed off and, you know, being very visibly pissed off at Jurgen Klopp. And I know there were a lot of stories coming out of that as well. So, um, but yeah, Ch- Chelsea West Ham. <laughs> I'm, yeah. um, I'm super, super excited for this game. Um, our first London rivalry of the season. Um, and, and yeah, I, I think West Ham have a lot of exciting things going on, and Chelsea obviously have a lot of exciting things going on. Chelsea's still buying players. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it honestly seems like uh, as the season is picked up, Chelsea have picked up in the transfer window, which is very – I like completely did not expect this at all. But um, I, I'm happy with it, though, man. I, I'm seriously excited for what Chelsea has going on. Yeah, uh, I'm in the same boat. I love what they have. I love what they're still doing. Um. And, you know, we'll talk about some of these moves later, but Moises Caicedo, likely doubtful in this one. Uh, do you think we see Romeo Lavia? Um, potentially. Okay. Yeah, I'm not sure if that deal is, like, officially done. Like, is he fully, like, done and dusted, like, in the lineup? Uh, I, I don't know. Uh, I'm okay. kind of thinking I'm kind of thinking no. Okay. But who knows, man. He he might get subbed on late if it ends up going through, or we might end up seeing none of them. So yeah, but, uh, I love the way that Chelsea lined up against Liverpool. Um, of course, uh, Robert Sanchez uh, in goal looked pretty solid, as I knew that he would. Um, Axel, oh man, I, I heard them say his name. Is it Desasi? I believe so. Obviously, he was our one goal. He scored on his debut at Stamford Bridge, which was just so sick to see the celebrations, man. It's just so exciting to see a happy Stamford Bridge, man. Um, but yeah, the three back of uh, DeSassi, Thiago Silva, Levi Cowell worked so well. Chilwell and Reese James were the wing back. Uh, Connor Gallagher and Enzo Fernandez. I'm, Connor Gallagher had a challenge on Mohamed Salah where. If Muhammad, if he messed up or Muhammad Saleh could have just blown past him, I mean, like Connor Gallagher was the last player and made a Maldini s slide tackle on him, and it just goes to show. And I texted you afterwards, and I was like, "You hit the you hit the nail on the head with Connor Gallagher. Is he is literally playing like exactly how you said he would, Grayson? He's playing hungry. He's playing like he 
he's playing like his job is um, not secure, which it isn't. And I love that. And I'm so glad that we kept him. Yeah. Uh, so, I am interested to get your take on this because you said you love how they lined up. Um, once some of these injured guys start coming back in, because a lot of the guys like that are out right now or the guys that are kind of still processing their transfers, how does this lineup change? Because obviously like like Sterling isn't really a striker, and I doubt he actually played it that way in the game. I didn't get to watch, but didn't have a great game. And uh, I believe, was he subbed off for uh, Mudrick or did he get subbed off for somebody else? He was subbed off for Mudrick. Okay. And, um, but I do like kind of stacking the midfield um, and then having Chilwell and James play wing back because them two both play that so well. Um, But I, I think there will be a ton of structural changes as some of these injured players come back. Well, 100%. Um, Chuck Wameka is a obviously one of the more younger players on this team. I, I think it's cool that he's starting. Not a player that I really want to be starting, though. Um, a player that I'd like to see come off the bench, I think. Um, I, I I hope Ninkuku comes and replaces either Chuck Wameka or Raheem Sterling. But honestly, if it were down to me, Grayson, Raheem Sterling wouldn't be on this team anymore. Um, yeah. I actually feel like physically can't stand him. <laughs> I like he's one of those players that he's one of the bigger names on this team, obviously, since he's played for like every big team in the premier league, except for like Manchester United, um, which is just even more strange in itself. But yeah, Raheem Sterling, I'm, I'm completely done with him, which is why I was so excited that we might get um, Elise from crystal palace. But then he, uh, our dick back in our pants as I'll say um, <laughs> with that one by signing the extension. So uh, yeah, Raheem Sterling is the one player that I genuinely want to get replaced here. And then Chuck Lameca, personally, I just don't think he's good enough yet. Okay. That'd be the only reason that I'd bench him. So. Yeah. Um, do you see any changes to this defense coming? Uh, I know like some guys are out, like Trevo Kalaba and Wesley Fofana, who's going to be out like for the entire season. But um, how do you feel about Colwell, Silva, and uh, DeSassi? Um. This could have been probably in the the stake my claim, but I think uh, to include Ben Chilwell and Reese James in the defense, Chelsea probably have the best defense in the league. Okay, yeah. Yeah. I I think it'll be Newcastle and Chelsea that will look the best defensively, and I hope none of the personnel changes, which is really sad because I like Fofana. And I like some of the other guys we brought in, like um, Ugu Chukwu. Uh, he was one of the new players who uh, he subbed out Chilwell in the 90th minute. Um, Al Augusto is a wonderful replacement off the bench for Reese James. Um, Ian Matson, a youth player that I have been seeing on FIFA as like a 60 overall for years now, is finally getting his opportunities. He looks exciting. Um, I know he plays like a left-back, left-wing-back um, kind of role. So... Um, like Ian Matson as well. Uh, so, yeah, absolutely. To, to answer your question, literally nothing I would change to this defense. All right, so I, I got two more questions for you. First, uh, how do you feel about Robert Sanchez? I want Keppa. Yeah. I think that was the dumbest thing that Chelsea could have done. And, and it, was, it came to a surprise. Like, I saw it on my feed, and I was like, not only do we not get to watch potentially De Gea go back and play at Real Madrid – like I lost a, a goalie who 
has, has come a long way with Chelsea. And I know, I know I've talked about it on the podcast, so I'm not going to talk about it again, but you know, from like denying the sub and staying with the team, it, it just was so perfect that Keppa would be our starting goalie to come for, you know, years. But um, yeah, I guess Chelsea wanted to go a different direction. I was super, super disappointed about that, but Robert Sanchez though, I, I think he'll be great. Okay. And then my next thing, uh, first impressions on Poch. Um, love him. Uh, even, even at Tottenham, I, I always kind of felt like he did very well with the young players, um, which is, I think what Chelsea need. Um, I love the way he lined us up. I love the way that our attack looks We're exciting. We look like we can score goals, which honestly was the case last season. I thought Chelsea was still an exciting team, even though we were losing every single week or, you know, getting draws or, you know, whatnot. But I, I think Potch can win some silverware. Okay. I like it. I think he can. Um. All right. Yeah. I. I I'm. I'm happy for Chelsea. But um, did we even get to a score prediction? We just went on a crazy tangent. Oh, I'm, we talked for that was a good conversation. Yeah. But yeah we, didn't, we didn't go for a score. <laughs> okay. Well, my score prediction. I'm gonna go one nil Chelsea. I, I. I still don't see enough goal scoring in this lineup to say that like they're they're really gonna show off in the attack. Okay. Um, I think this is the game that Chelsea submit themselves as kind of like, okay, like Chelsea are back. I'm going to go 2 0. And I think right. it'll be like a dominating performance. Yeah. And, and if you can hear that knocking, that is me knocking on wood because <laughs> last season was so bad, I'm not even sure. <laughs> and that is so, entirely fair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but oh yeah, like on the West Ham side, uh, there's just. I don't know. There's not enough of a threat in this lineup. Yeah, and you know, I I don't think West Ham. I would have liked to have seen West Ham go get a striker. Mikel Antonio. Um, I I like him a lot. I've I've always sort of uh, been a fan of him. I don't think he's enough for what West Ham want to do, though. Yeah, I don't think Mikel Antonio is like a mid-table prim striker. Or agreed. I I think uh yeah basically I think he should have been replaced in the off season. Uh, which I think will really hurt West Ham for their offense, at least. Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely agree. So, um, other matches around the league, uh, we've got. If it'll load, we've got Nottingham Forest, Sheffield United on Friday, uh, Fulham, Brentford, Liverpool, Bournemouth, Wolves, Brighton, uh, Villa versus Everton, and then Monday we have Palace versus Arsenal. Um, and then we look ahead to next week, Chelsea versus Luton Town at Stamford Bridge. And uh, not too many good matchups uh, other than Newcastle-Liverpool. We are just front-loading this schedule. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's crazy. <laughs> it's uh, You know what, though? I like it. Newcastle are in a weird position where I think that it's uh, it's time for them to prove themselves. And why not in, like, you know, the first couple games of the prim right? yeah yeah so, manchester city this week liverpool next week brighton the week after um it's not going to be easy but uh yeah we're fighting through it but we have a, a a solid run of absolutely fucking jack shit for the uh the rest of september and the all of october so um that's nice but let's talk transfer news and who else to start with but that traitor son of a bitch, Neymar uh, da Silva Santos Jr. 
heading to all halal in this contract is fucking insane. Yeah. Um, you no, know, it's just, it's a big bummer move. Um, yeah, it's just, uh, it's unfortunate to see him go where we can't watch him. Yeah. And uh, so it looks like he'll be making 300 million US dollars, um, which is insane. uh i think the transfer fee was 102 million us dollars and then um and then you get into the subtleties of this contract (laughs) like what the fuck it's like cars and houses and workers at his home and just absolutely crazy stuff uh here here's a quote eight cars and three saunas uh, he uh he has a compound over there basically yeah yeah he's yeah. uh he's getting a bentley continental gp an aston martin dbx and a lamborghini huracan it's fucking ridiculous. The on out- top of the money he already makes, on top of the money he's going to make, <laughs> it's just ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, ridiculous. they also found out what his favorite juices are, and the fridge will always be stocked with acai juice and guarana drinks um, for his home. It'll have three saunas, five full-time workers, including a cook and cleaners. <laughs> the property will have 25 rooms and a swimming pool that is at least 10 meters large and 40 meters long and a private jet. <laughs> Bro, we need to contact Neymar right now and just go ahead and rent one of those rooms for second and shore headquarters. Yeah, that, that would be sick. I've said it before. <laughs> Saudi Arabia could buy me out in a fucking second. Yeah, like as much as we bitch, like we would never turn down these contracts. Yeah. I mean, shit. <laughs> and I say that, but I'm about to condemn them for their sports washing with this contract. Yes. Yep. They're offering him, and I'm going to pull up the exact number in the uh, Instagram post that I believe you sent me. Um, let me pull that back up real quick. But look, the, the details are just stupid. So actually, let's see. okay, you got it. Yeah, I've got it now. Uh, so he's got an eighty thousand euro bonus for every all halal win, which is cool. That's fine. Five hundred thousand euros for every post or story he puts on his social media that promotes Saudi Arabia. That's the yeah. ridiculous part of this. That one. That one's fishy. Yeah, that's where it becomes a, a ploy. Where, like, look, if you play for Barcelona and they're like, yeah, we'll give you a little bit of money if you, you know, whenever you promote, like, visit Barcelona. Like, the, the, and like, there's plenty of t like, kit sponsors, like, Fly Emirates and all that, where they promote it. You're promoting a country and it's tourism, a country that has a interesting history. That's probably a country that's probably like 300 years behind in how you should treat women. Yes. And so, a country yeah. that has multiple issues with journalists, uh, 
um, and plenty of other things. And we're not going to get into it because it's like a pretty political matter. But in general, it's so obvious what is being done here in this contract, especially. I get that they want to build this soccer league. 100%. Any country should be doing this if they have the means to do it, and they do. But when it gets into this kind of stuff, these kind of details really shows off what's happening. Yeah. It's, it's right up there with the Qatari World Cup and all of this. Like, it's basically so that when you think of Saudi Arabia... You think, oh, I saw Neymar post about that place. It looks pretty cool. Oh, I, I saw that they have all these cool soccer players like Cristiano Ronaldo and Sadio Mane and Karim Benzema and Golo Kante. But you don't think about horrible things that happen in that country and, and like Luke said, the way that they treat women. Just everything. And it's the same thing that Qatar did. When I think of Qatar, I think of the Qatari World Cup. That's it. I don't I don't think about all the the workers that died building those stadiums. I don't think about anything else like that. Just the games that I watched on TV. Exactly. And I actually uh one of the contract specifics that you didn't read that I'm reading right now. If Neymar has an off day, Grayson, and let's say he wants to go to a hotel or a restaurant, bill is sent to the club. Yeah. If he does any of that on an off day, it's free. And to think, Messi was offered much more. It's crazy. It is crazy. Um, it, it is absolutely insane. And just to kind of come back to the actual, like, him signing, supposedly he only joined Al-Halal because it was the only real offer he had on the table. Supposedly he wanted to stay in Europe but got no real offers. Uh, I don't know. I it, it, I have a hard time believing he had no offers. Because you had a uh, you had Todd Bowley secretly meeting with uh, PSG executives yeah. for Neymar. Yeah, but I guess he didn't. He, I didn't. Maybe he just didn't think that was a real offer. <laughs> maybe because they weren't giving him fourteen cars, it wasn't a real <laughs> offer. <laughs> Where's my compound in London? Yeah. Exactly. Fucking, it's fucking ridiculous. But uh, next thing, Mason Greenwood will be reintroduced into the Manche Manchester United team. Um, very weird situation. Not going to get into the details because I'm sure you already know. But it, it appears that the, that Manchester United as a whole, it, it was any person that has a say said to go ahead with it, which is yeah, great. Um is so as long as this move doesn't put active players staff or anybody into a you know as long as it doesn't put them in a bad situation i think it's totally fine i do um i actually was watching a video of mason greenwood it, he, he was like warming up i saw it like a month ago and um you know it is that is everything you know he what, it, he was cleared, right? Yes, like, everything's been cleared. dropped and, and cleared. So, like, that whole situation, man, like, you got to think, it, it takes a toll on the players, um, especially when they didn't do it. 
I, I feel like. And I saw a video of Mason Greenwood about a month ago, like I said, warming up, and he looked um, super rough. And, and I don't know if I'm trying to make a story out of nothing. You know, I, I, of course, when I'm warming up playing soccer or back whenever I played soccer, and when I'm warming up, sometimes I like dejected too. You know, I, I get it. But Mason Greenwood just looked like when he was warming up, like he genuinely like did not care. And, and yeah. it just was a sad sight to see. He looked looked awful. Yeah. Body language was awful. Um, his shots were kind of like, uh, like you probably could have done better for a prim player. Um, and it was just, it was not a good sight to see. And I can only think that that situation took a massive toll on not only his career, but also like his mental state. Yeah. Uh, agreed. Uh, entirely. Um, but let's move on here to Lucas Paqueta. So it looks like his move to Manchester city has been stalled. Uh, it'd be a great time for them to get him with this Kevin De Bruyne injury, but yeah. Um, it, it appears that things have been agreed upon, and maybe West Ham is having cold feet now. Yeah, I, I can see that. I I, um, I really don't know what's going on personally. I I haven't seen enough news about it just yet. Yeah, no, I'm I'm right there with you. It, it's like um, like you said, it just completely kind of it's happening, but it's like dead. Yeah, it's weird. You're yeah, right. but uh, a couple moves that did happen. Moises Caicedo heading to Chelsea. We already kind of talked about that, as well as Romeo Lavia. So they got the guy they wanted and the guy they were going to get if they didn't get Moises Caicedo. (laughs) So (laughs) I guess Chelsea just gets what they want, except for Michael Olise, who rejected the move to Chelsea and signed an extension with Crystal Palace. I mean, you know... In a way, like fair play to him for yeah. you know willfully signing that extension to obviously like a much smaller team. Um, but yeah, fair play to Elise for staying loyal. But um, as a Chelsea fan, like I respect it. You know, we kind of had to be humbled. <laughs> it seemed like we were getting everything we want um, last week, and then we got humbled this week by Elise. But um, yeah, what a time! You, you, do you realize that Chelsea's midfield now, um, as of January of last year? Enzo Fernandez had the most long passes in the entire Premier League completed, and Moises Caicedo was like first or second in interceptions of the entire season. So wow. Chelsea's midfield is looking like kind of pretty fucking dangerous, if you ask me. Yeah, so, definitely. Very, very excited. It's it's dangerous. It's young. And it, on top of that, it's players that I think are super, super excited and committed to playing for Chelsea. That's, that's the biggest thing. Yeah, like – when you think about it, let's say, you know, come November when Nkuku's back in the lineup, you have Enzo Fernandez, Nkuku, Caicedo. You also have Lavia now. You still have Connor Gallagher, who is off to a good start. You have so many options in this midfield. So many. Um, and it, it's super versatile, too. And and just the fact that Romeo La, uh, Lavia came out and said that um, he wanted to sign for Chelsea because he thought that Liverpool – was like uh, kind of like his second option, or no? Liverpool was was like um, not necessarily going after him as much as he wanted them to, which led him to Chelsea. But I'm going to get into it right now. I'm going to take it over, taking the reins from Grayson to kind of lead the podcast. So I wanted to talk about Liverpool in this transfer window because it's it's a bigger discussion that I saw on Sky Sports. Uh, Gary Neville and Jamie Carragher talked about it, and I'm just kind of going to go through the situation. So Liverpool's director. They he goes by, is it George? Can you help me out here, Grace? Uh, I'm gonna <laughs> assume it's it's George. 
Schmodka. Okay, there's like a three. Um, they call him like JSG or something like that. Uh, he has a nickname. But anyway, he's their director. The director, as I just learned, is also the ones who go after like transfers and stuff. So this is yeah. all him. They lost both holding midfielders Fabinho and Hendo to Saudi teams, which is weird because with Liverpool, and this is a point that Gary Neville brought up, Liverpool are super, super, super good at replacing players. Like they had Henderson before Gerrard kind of thing. Well, Liverpool didn't really bring in a replacement before losing these guys. So their first target was Latvia from Southampton. Liverpool were originally going to stop at 50 million euros for this kid, but they ended up bidding 60. Latvia chooses Chelsea over Liverpool because he felt like he was a second choice to Moises Caicedo. So Liverpool kind of, they made that bid and they said that they were going to stop at 50 and then they kind of started going for Caicedo. So Latvia just said like, hey, like if you guys like aren't going to go through with me, then I want to go to Chelsea. So Liverpool start bidding for Moises Caicedo. Chelsea enter the race for Caicedo beat him, uh, and beat out Liverpool, making him the highest prem transfer fee at 133 million euros, and then sign Lavia for like 60. I mean, Liverpool could not have bottled this even more. And now they're going to be scrambling. You know, I feel like it's always kind of bad to uh, replace like players like Fabinho and Hendo in August, like that should have been something that, you know, like Liverpool normally do should have been something that was done before. And I I wanted to bring this up because I think it's a very interesting conversation to have about one of the, you know, bigger teams in the premier league. So like Grayson, what do you think about all this? Like are Liverpool like in serious trouble right now? Cause I mean, we saw the way that they played against Chelsea and these are two of the players that would have been in that holding midfield area that I was highlighting earlier. And Liverpool were getting ran all over on, um, you know, not to say that their center mids aren't good. It's just that they're not holding center mids. They're not guys that can defend either. So what do you think about Liverpool in this whole situation? Well, I think the fact that Fabinho and Hendo have been gone for like, what, almost a month? Yeah, I mean, it's they been had, the entire transfer window. Yeah, they, they had so much time. To go out. And yes, I get it. They were interested in Caicedo and Lavia. But you still should have gotten something. Because, like, they don't even have real bench options as holding midfielders. No. Not at all. Like, midfield-wise, yes, Curtis Jones is on your bench, but he's certainly not a holding midfielder. And, what, like... Harvey Elliott could maybe play there? Yeah. <laughs> But I'm not even confident in that. And Tiago is out. He doesn't even really play that position. So it's just, it's super weird that they didn't go out and just at least get a surefire guy. I think they certainly should have been in on Edson Alvarez. Yes. I, I think they certainly should have rivaled West Ham for that move. I, I think. My ex, who looks like he's yeah. going to sign for West Ham. But he's, he's so. more of a winger. But. That's just I like keep saying he's holding midfield. Yeah. Fuck my bad. <laughs> but like, there's a bunch of guys that you could have at least tried, and it didn't seem like they did. It's just, I don't know. I think it's just a matter of them not being willing to to go out and, and look. Yeah. Um. And it's 
strange because what um Carragher and Neville brought up is it's not even the owners. Like the owners were completely fine for bidding like you know, they were fine with matching Chelsea or outbidding Chelsea for Caicedo and Lavia, but the sporting director that I mentioned, he was the one that, you know, kind of stalled it, which you know, that stall ended up um, you know, leaving Liverpool with uh no holding midfielders because Lavia kind of took offense to it, and I don't really blame him. Liverpool have sold all these players in holding midfield. You would think that they would have a lot of money to splash cash on a massive holding midfielder, but they just didn't. And now they're going to be scrambling, you know, while they're playing games and, you know, they don't have much time. So I, I really think that Liverpool may have fucked themselves here. Not, not to say that I don't think Liverpool is going to be a good team, but they literally lack an entire position. No matter how good their starting eleven is, right now they don't have anybody that can play there. Yeah, and like they so, don't have the option of like a, a center back that can kind of play that position. Like no. uh, literally, their only chance is converting Trent into a holding midfielder. Yeah. Exactly. That's that's literally their only shot, unless they somehow make a miracle happen in the next two weeks before this window closes. Exactly, but yeah, like I just, um, I hope I did a good job <laughs> taking no, over the no, podcast you did. there for a second. And I appreciate that. I, I want to just kind of reiterate what you said and that Liverpool needed to step up. all This entire transfer window, they needed to step up. Their finish last year was not good. Like, plain and simple, was not Liverpool. It's not the Liverpool that we've seen in past years, and it needs some, like something needed to change. They and, and it has they make two moves on two guys that are attacking midfielders. And that's really it. If you look at the sum of everything that they did this offseason, it was two very early in the transfer window. Alexis McAllister was like done and dusted a like a day into the transfer window opening. And Dominic Sabaslai was about two weeks in. Like it it took no time for them to make those moves, and they went entirely dormant after that and not only that you in this is um this is something that i feel like a lot of people don't really talk about but like in the premier league especially where you have a lot of teams that are going to look at the same guy and these teams have a lot of money you don't want to be losing to bidding wars especially to you know rivals like chelsea and not only did you lose like a bidding war to chelsea you lost the one position you need not once but twice yeah, to a team that is your rival. And as a Chelsea fan, I, I think it, this kind of shit just makes me so happy. I, I love this shit. But for Liverpool, as a Liverpool fan, I, could not, I couldn't be more disappointed in my team. And, and I hope that they can bring in somebody soon. Yeah, and like, like what happened to showing interest in Leon Goretzka? That, that was talked about. It, right now, their only option... It, it, at least I've seen, is that they're showing interest in Ryan Gravenberch. Yeah, which is, um, you know, kind of like a wild card there. I love Ryan Gravenberch. I've, I've actually been kind of keeping up with him for the past couple of years. Can he play a starting 11 prim holding midfield role? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if he can do that yet. I'm, I'm kind of in the same boat. I'd have to see him do it. I like him a lot. Uh, yeah, I do as well. Um, but if you're ready to, then uh, we'll move on. Let's go ahead. We got a lot more transfer stuff to talk yeah. about. Yeah, so we'll 
get here. Uh, Alexander Mitrovich is headed to All Hillel. Neymar. Yeah. <laughs> He's not the only one joining oh, him, but uh, we'll get to that. I also want to bring this up. It kind of goes along the lines of this Liverpool stuff. Um, just kind of prem-wide over the last five years, Brighton is the only team with a positive net spending, and it is crazy. They have made back a total of 116.21 million euros on the transfer market. Even Luton Town is in the negatives with 11.28. And Liverpool is certainly up there. Their spending in prior years has been major. Guys like Darwin Nunes, uh, Diego Jota, like those kind of moves cost as well as Gakpo. These were big moves. All attacking. That's all they've cared about, but that's all they've been good at. <laughs> yeah, oh, exactly. I mean, I feel like um, they haven't really gone for, obviously, a goalie or like a center back because I feel like their their defense and goalie is pretty set in stone, you know, and I, yeah. they, they kind of just like to hide behind the curtain of, oh, we have Virgil van Dyke, which, I mean, I'm not dogging on them for that. I think it's worked for them, you know, quite well the entire time he's been there, but yeah, you're exactly right. Is it? It seems like they have almost too. They have focused too heavily on, on their um, attacking style of play, and they're they're forgetting about you know that holding spot. Yeah, uh, I definitely agree. It's a, uh, it's an essential part of a lineup. Yes. But um, yeah. Let's let's keep moving. It looks like Luciano, uh, Sp- Spalletti, has reached an agreement to become the next Italy head coach. That's that's a big deal. Spalletti is a yeah. um, super super good head coach. Um, I feel like it's always good to have a head coach that's also the same nationality as the players. That doesn't happen all the time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I feel like this is a good move for Italy. Agreed. Uh, I I think yeah. there's honestly in Italy not a lot of better options. Yeah. I mean, Ancelotti is really the only other yeah. Italian manager I can think of that would be like ridiculous, but. It looks like he could be going to Brazil, which would yeah. be like World Cup winning. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, that'd be unfair. <laughs> as long as uh, Neymar doesn't get too lazy out there at his compound. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, just to reiterate this one, Liverpool showing interest in Ryan Gravenberch. But this one is a little more interesting to me. Man City is eyeing Danny Olmo from Leipzig. It appears Leipzig is not looking to sell and would request a huge fee for Danny Olmo. Well, Danny Olmo is a is a center mid that could easily play in the Premier League. I, I yes. love Danny Olmo. Um, yeah, uh, Liverpool should be looking at Danny Olmo. <laughs> yeah, of course. They need another guy that can play center attacking mid slash right wing. Yeah, but Danny Olmo um, would be a wonderful thing for Manchester City, especially with the Kevin De Bruyne injury. And if they can get Lucas Paqueta too, that that's going to be a deadly center mid pairing. Yeah, once again, the rich would get richer. Exactly. <laughs> um, but Roma made a couple of moves over in Italy. Renato Sanchez uh, heading to Roma on a season-long loan from PSG, I believe. Or was he yes. on loan to P? I don't even know. Uh, but... <laughs> They've got uh, an option to buy at the end of that, but they also signed PSG's Leandro Paredes. Yeah, you can't you can't ever dog on the players that Mourinho wants because um, he was the guy that told Roman Abramovich, you know, like I understand Roman, you're giving me all this money, but I want Drogba. 
no, I don't want Shevchenko. I don't want R9. Give me Drogba. Who's Drogba? I'll, I'll show you who Drogba is. That, yeah. That's the kind of Mourinho guy or the Mourinho transfer um, mindset. And but yeah, uh, Leandro Paredes, great move. And honestly, Ronaldo Sanchez, I still think he has potential. So another good move. Yeah, definitely. Um, it looks like Imerich Laporte is close to a move to Al Nassar. Looks like this one's mainly driven just because Man City isn't giving him minutes. Yeah, um, a, a good center back who maybe you could make an argument that he's kind of fallen off, but he, he's a player that I don't really care to move to Saudi Arabia. Agreed. So. Um, it looks like Bayern was holding talks with David De Gea, and it appears that Thomas Tuchel vetoed the move. Oh, okay. Yeah, that came out today. Um, very interesting that he would veto that with all of this keeper drama going on with Bayern. It's kind of a weird, weird play. Yeah, it is. Um, David De Gea needs to play somewhere, though. Like, let's yeah. let's not forget what he led the league in last year, like clean sheets and everything. That's a pretty important stat. So, um, yeah, David De Gea needs to stay in Europe. Yeah, or come to the MLS. Or come to the MLS. Come to Atlanta United. Brad Guzan's not cutting it. No, he's not. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but our next move, Newcastle, have made a £35 million offer to Chelsea for Lewis Hall. And it appears that the fee has been agreed upon. Yeah, our two teams talking. Um, Lewis Hall, kind of like uh, Ian Matson, a player that I've seen in FIFA as like a 50 to 60 overall guy. Um, I think he would probably do better in Newcastle. I, I can't really see Lewis Hall getting much playing time or working his way into even the bench at Chelsea, just with the, the moves that we've made at, at his position. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm completely fine with that. Yeah, it was okay, interesting because I, I believe we talked about it a couple weeks ago, he just signed like a six-year extension. Oh, wow. So, very interesting that he, he's on his way out. Uh, but this guy's on his way out, Hakim Zik. And uh, it actually looks like he did pass his medical. Uh, to go to Galatasaray. It only took him three tries, two tries. Yeah, two tries. Ridiculous. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, Good to see him finally go so he can get the playing time that he deserves. He's a fun player, so. Yeah, glad that he's finally out of there. And, I mean, he's still playing, you know, big soccer. I I know we've said it before, but there's nothing to scoff at with the Turkish League, man. They they care about it over there. Agreed. (laughs) So, yeah, it's – and you still get Champions League, potentially. Yeah, for sure. Uh, This one's interesting. Uh, I haven't heard anything else um, on top of this, but it appears that Ansu Fati may be leaving Barcelona. Yeah, this one's interesting. Um, he obviously very early on in his uh, his career of like you know becoming like kind of a mainstream young talent uh, in Barcelona's ranks, uh, giving him the number ten obviously was probably a little bit of a mistake because he's just been kind of hurt the entire time. So I uh, I kind of like the Barcelona leave. I, I think he he needs to go play somewhere else where he's the guy. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. He's got talent, just. It can't. It's not going to be on full display at Barcelona. No. Um. This one's interesting though. Lucas Digne may join Neymar and head to Al Halal. Yeah, I don't know. It's interesting, but I, I don't really have much to like comment on that. He he's kind of like I'd put him in the Laporte um move where yeah. it's like 
he's a good player that, you know, Europe is losing, but it's also like a player that I don't mind not being able to watch. Kind of. Yeah, I, I think he's had his European career. It's come to, uh, you know, he's not developing anymore. No. So it, it kind of makes sense. Yeah, I agree. Uh, looks like Stuttgart's Wataru, or Wataru Endo is heading to Liverpool. Yeah, I, I don't know much about this guy, but I saw that today. Um, it may be a good move. I don't I actually yeah, even really I, know what position he plays. I believe he's a midfielder, so that could be a good sign. He's probably an attacking midfielder with, with the, the conversations we've had. But, um, yeah, I, I like just like you, I haven't heard much about this guy. Uh, Japanese player. He is a midfielder. Um, yeah, defensive midfielder. So maybe they are actually making a move. I'm actually reading here that uh, he could miss six Liverpool games. Um, not too sure if it's injury-related. Okay. Um. Toro Indo may miss six Liverpool games as two more transfers could follow amid $65 million release clause. So, yeah, not really too sure what that means. I don't know if it's being stalled because they're trying to buy other players or what's going on here. Yeah, I'm I'm really not too sure. I'm looking at an article right now from the Express, and it they're saying that Liverpool kind of need to make this move happen within the next day essentially, um, because Wataru Indo doesn't want to miss any games. Um, it, it looks like no. he, he would like to debut this weekend. Yeah, I mean, with how Liverpool, you know, with how massive they've been, good. I, I'm glad that he's, like, you know, coming out and saying that. <laughs> yeah, but move on supposedly if they can't get it done quick enough, um, he might be frustrated and back out. So, hopefully so. They got to move quickly. Uh, but our next move: Union Berlin have signed Robin Gosens from Inter. Okay, that's you know not a bad move. I think Union Berlin just trying to bolster this squad that had such a fantastic year last year. Um, I you know kind of like how we see in the Premier League. I I always like the teams that have like a abnormally like good finish and then try to have an off season where they want to build off of that instead of just selling all their good players. So respect to Union Berlin. Yeah. And then uh looks like Allison is being targeted by Al Nasser. Oh uh, shit. Oh no. <laughs> Not <Uh-oh>. Liverpool. <laughs> Damn. Shucks. <laughs> yeah, that motherfucker I mean, really, is like, so shucks. gone, dude. Yeah, he's he's done. They're gonna throw a fucking bag at him. They are. <laughs> uh but Al Al already confirmed on a goalkeeper themselves. Yasin Buno, I believe is how you pronounce her, Buno, um, formerly of Sevilla, headed to Al Halal. Yeah, a um a, a Moroccan national player. Yeah. Who, you don't really you don't really see a lot of Moroccan national players. Of course they have like um Diek and uh, Amrabat, I think, is over there. And I think they have one center mid that's pretty good as well. Well, they also but, um, have um, Hakimi. That's right. Duh. Yeah, he's probably the best player over there. But um, I really like this goalie, um, but a player that I don't care to see join uh, Saudi club. So. Yeah, doesn't really quite matter to me. Um, yep. Reportedly, Mo Salah is keen on a move to Saudi Arabia and has told his agents to start negotiating. See, and that's kind of 
you know, what I brought up earlier, you know, when he got subbed off versus Chelsea, he was not happy. And, you know, the other side of that is like, I'm, I'm going to compare it to like the NFL. You have a wide receiver that's really good who just wants the ball more. People will always try to make a story out of that. Like, you know, oh, he wants to lead this team because he's not getting the ball. Like, no, he's just a hungry player who's competing at the highest level who wants the ball. Obviously, you know, you could compare it to Mo Salah. He could just be mad about getting subbed off because, you know, it's a 1-1 game against a very competitive team, and, you know, he didn't score in that game. So now, reading this, it's kind of like maybe there's more to Mo Salah than what you know, could have happened with uh, getting subbed off versus Chelsea. Maybe he really just isn't a fan of Liverpool anymore. Who knows? Yeah, uh, I'm not too sure. But I will say I love this next move. Santi Casorla, at 38 years old, has joined his boyhood club, Real Oviedo, on a one-year deal for the La Liga Segunda Division, or La Liga 2, um, minimum wage. So, you you had to have watched the Spin FC videos about Real Oviedo, right? Of course. He, he, is he still you. He's still like a minority owner in them, right? I, I think so. Okay. I, I haven't read anything like since like those videos came out a long time ago. Yeah. But I will never forget him like vlogging the Real Oviedo games, and I was like, "Shit, this looks awesome for you know Div Two Spanish soccer." I think <laughs> at the time they were Division Three. Oh, okay. But, I, I mean, even more of a story, but like, yeah, I, I'm glad you I, I'm glad you picked up on that because that's the only reason I know who Real Oviedo even are. Yeah. Um, but, Very cool to see one of my favorite, you know, players from my childhood leaving to go back there. I didn't know that was his boiled club. Yeah, I, about I, I think I remember Spencer talking about that in the videos. Um, but I, I love this and like his reasoning for taking the minimum wage was like Real Oviedo gave me so much in my career and and early in my career that they owe me nothing more. It's just, it's so good to see the players like this admit amidst all the like Saudi moves and shit. It, it's still good to see that we have players like Messi and Santi Cazorla who aren't going to, you know, I guess like kind of sell out to Saudi yeah, Arabia. Doing it for um, the love of the game. Yeah, it's awesome to see. Um, And then this is just kind of some, some news. And uh, I hate to say I called it again, Luke. Uh-oh. But... The Saudi Arabian Football Association are reportedly in talks with UEFA over having a Saudi team in the Champions League from 2025 onwards. Uh, man, I, I don't know how I feel about this because, like, the Saudi teams have gotten so good, and it would be really interesting to see how a Saudi team with European players could play in the Champions League. Yeah. But the the petty side of me is like, no. Like, fuck off. <laughs> kind of thing so i told you this would happen yeah i i don't i don't know how i feel about this just yet okay well i think you'll feel better about this one inter miami have officially been invited to participate in the next copa libertadores oh man <laughs> messy going home to play against club like other argentinian team of course like yeah. the copa libertadores is you know everything but like Dang, if Messi goes to Argentina and play, damn. Yeah, this was be uh, this happened um, because of the president of the Argentinian FA uh, formally uh, sent like uh, a recommendation to um, the what is it the uh, Concacaf um, 
right? That's South, uh, South America, yes. CONCACAF? Yeah. Yeah, he sent that to their people, and uh, they're officially inviting them to the Copa Libertadores, which is fantastic. It's literally just going to be a Lionel Messi Argentina tour. Yeah. Um, yes, he'll play like Colombian teams and Chilean teams and stuff like that, but still. Yeah, I, I actually, I, I think this is super cool. And maybe, who knows, maybe, you know, an MLS team being invited to participate in the Copa Libertadores, maybe that means, you know, good things for the MLS as a whole. So, yeah. Who knows? Yeah, for sure. Um, and as I do, I go back to Twitter to see what we missed. Um, this is awesome. Uh, Gianluigi Buffon was getting interviewed, said, I thank people who consider me the best keeper of all time, but that's not the case. They think that because I lasted a long time, but for me, the best goalkeeper of all time comes from Spain, Iker Casillas. Oh, man. How crazy is that? He said, I haven't won everything in football, and I think I should be considered number three or four because number two is Manuel Neuer. He also won everything at a club level as well as a World Cup. That's why I think I'm number three, but that's just my opinion. What? He's just full of class, man. Fair play, Buffon. If you, um, any of the viewers out there, and I, I've I've known that Buffon is this kind of like personality for a long time. If you're, um, like I said, if you're a soccer fan, go watch First Team Juventus on Netflix. It kind of interviews Buffon. Or just watch any interview that has Gianluigi Buffon in it. He is yeah. a, he's just a treat. Yeah, so he's awesome. Uh, other stuff, Kevin Volland has left Monaco and will join Union Berlin. Oh, wow, okay. Um, let's see. Uh, oh, Manchester United have hopped in on the interest for Ryan Gravenberch. Imagine they steal him from Liverpool. <laughs> Liverpool end up oh with nobody. Oh, my God. <laughs> Apparently, Bayern doesn't want to sell him, um, but he has been insisting on trying for a Premier League move. Wow, Okay. Uh, awesome. Inter have made an offer of 25 million euros for Benjamin Pavard. Okay. Um, Solid move. Oh, Nicolo Zaniolo will sign his contract with Aston Villa tonight. The uh, standout from Galatasaray. Good for him. He looked good at Roma before Galatasaray too, I thought. so. Yeah. Um, looks like Xavi wants Giovanni Lo Celso if uh, if the pursuit of Bernardo Silva falls through. Lo Celso is super underrated. Yeah. I, I like him a lot. Yep. Uh, let's see. Anything else? Oh, West Ham getting in talks with Ajax again over Kudus. That would be a okay. great move. Looks like a verbal ah, agreement is done, and uh, Ajax are looking for 40 million euros. Good business. Oh, and I want to talk about this. The English FA will consider uh, Serena Wegman, uh, who is the women's head coach, as Gareth Southgate's successor if or when he moves on from being manager of England's men's team. A story that would be. Yeah. I think they're in the final against Spain in the Women's World Cup, correct? Yeah, so, they uh, they beat okay. Australia yesterday. Yeah. Um. No, this is just wild. <laughs> yeah, um, it is. Yeah, this, of course, but also what I'm about to say. Harry Kane has signed a long-term shoe deal, I guess cleat boot deal, with Skechers. Uh, Harry Kane, come on. 
Yep. <laughs> don't, go, le- don't go downhill from here, man. <laughs> he left Nike, uh, and he's joining Skechers. The cleats look kind of sick. I haven't even seen them. Uh, it looks like they don't release until September, but they're already on the Skechers website for 195 pounds. How much? Uh, how many? How much dollars is that? Um, I think that's just over 200. So probably about the same price as like some Nike, like the elite level cleats. Okay. But yeah, that's oh, you uh, know what they they do look kind of. They sick. look pretty cool. <laughs> all right, Harry Kane. Shout out Skechers. Shout out Skechers. Um, all right. Anything else? Anything, anything. Oh, Theo Walcott is retiring. Ah, what a career. Yeah. Player. And I think that's just about it. Uh, I think we have fully caught up. So, um, yeah. Well, it's time for Stake Your Claim. Let's do it. You want to kick it off for me? Uh, I'll, I'll take the reins here. Uh, right. I'll, I'll keep it with soccer. Going back to the Prem. I believe that Manchester City will be out of the top four by mid-December when Kevin De Bruyne returns. Really? Yeah, I think he is that much of a game changer for the squad. Of course, Holland's still going to be able to score goals. But without the playmaking of Kevin De Bruyne, I think this entire team around them takes a hit. Okay. And so, and just, and look, it's, it's going to be mid-December. So, like, it's not like they're going to be out of reach. I just, I, I think that maybe we're not going to see that, like, elite-level, like, three-loss season that we think. Yeah, it'll be a little bit more of a grind. Yeah. I like that take. Um, I'm going to keep it in the prim, and as far as, like, where teams will be at, I think Liverpool and Tottenham will both be outside of the top seven. All right. I know be, that, uh... that one's kind of flaming, but I feel like with the turmoil of Liverpool right now, it'll just continue and continue to hurt them. Yeah. And Tottenham, I haven't really heard any news of, you know, players they're going to bring in. Um, Youngman's son still just kind of looks meh, just not good enough, really. And Richarlison, you know, Still can't score as their strikers, so yeah, it's very early prediction. But I think Liverpool and Tottenham could finish really poor outside of the top seven. All right, yeah, they'll be fighting for a uh, conference league spot. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> but that is going to do it for the boys. Another fantastic week in the books, and yes. um, a better week ahead. Every week. It's going to be better, and uh, we've got some preseason games. I think there's one being played right now uh, in the NFL. Let's see. What do we got? What do we got? we got Browns-Eagles going on right now. Browns are up 8-3. to three. Uh, They had a <laughs> – the first quarter, the score was 2-3 to three Eagles. It's <laughs> a um, soccer score. <laughs> interesting. Dorian Thompson-Robinson is having another fucking master class. Uh, 164 passing yards already. Damn. And uh, Marcus Mariota having a shitter. What a surprise. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we got some NFL preseason still rolling. We've got the, uh, of course, a fantastic MLB weekend like we talked about. Tons of Premier League to watch, and uh, 
the best way to follow along is by following us. And um, you can follow us everywhere. Instagram, TikTok, Twitter. Join the subreddit because I want to get it more active. Um, follow us on the podcast platforms, of course. That's where you're listening to this right now. Or you're on YouTube. In that case, subscribe, comment, like, everything you'd like to do on all of those platforms. Do it. Do you, man. But we will always be here. And as always, we'll see you guys next week. Peace. Peace.